Welcome to the GCW Plant Podcast, Episode 9. I am your host, Mystical Jericho, and with us again is John J. Wolf. How are you doing today, John? I'm doing really well, man. I'm happy to be here, and I'm ready to roll. Well, let's get right into the action as we are covering JCW's Great American Birthday Bash today. And um, just like uh, we're hopping right into it, JCW hopped right into the action to start off the event as the first match of the evening was Speedball Mike Bailey going one-on-one for the first time ever against Axton Ray. And in my opinion, I thought this could have been easily the main event, but the main event that they chose was a very good choice as well. And having this match open up the show and start the crowd off nice and hot, I thought was a very good way to start the night off. What do you think about that, John? Uh, Yeah, I wanted to mention right off the bat here that this was a real treat because this was the first time meeting each other between these two. So right off the bat, I thought that was really fun. I didn't know what to expect. Uh, Right off, uh, let's see here, Speedball was heel, which I kind of found interesting. Easily, the booking could have been the other way because, you know, Speedball's always loved. And Axton's still finding his his ground, but generally he's played the heel uh, with most of the matches he's had. But there was a lot of balloons out there, the red, white and blue, uh, the red, white and blue balloons. They had a lot of people wearing those uh, party hats out there. So right off the bat, they were chanting. The fans were chanting to have the guys fight with the hats on. So I know that was kind of funny. But overall, Axton, surprisingly athletic, great moves. He hung with speedball the entire time. Uh, Anything you kind of have to add on that one? Well, like you're saying, uh, Speedball was, yeah, it was pretty interesting. Speedball took the role as heel, as we talked about in the last episode with Axe and Ray, as we don't really know if he's a heel or a face or any mm-hmm. of that stuff, because he still is pretty brand new to the GCW slash JCW crowd. And I thought yeah. for sure going into this match, Axe and Ray would be the heel too, because it was just an easy mm-hmm. kind of fit. Because from what I've kind of gathered from him during the few times we have seen him, especially those scramble matches uh he works as a heel for most of the part of that yeah. ma- most of the match he's a heel the one time i think i seen him face was the last show that we had this gcw settlement series where he kind of was more of a face going up up against Azrael. we got to see more of the likability of axon ray and him kind of mm-hmm. relying on the crowd to help get him through the match and stuff so i thought that was a very interesting choice especially as i said to start off the night we had this match and right away we also get a little twists and turns of who's healed, who's face, who we're going to root for and who we're not going to. So I like how they kind of like blended it throughout the match too, where Axon still did a little heelish stuff, but ultimately it was speedball kind of showing a different dimension. And I think it was kind of good of him showing like, Hey, I'm not here to play around with this kid. I've seen what I've seen of you. I know that you could be a dangerous opponent for me. So I thought that was very awesome seeing the change of roles and the fluidity that speedball has as a heel and face, as well as Axon Ray. And as you said, yeah, we got to see the athleticism in this match. It was a very Mm -hmm. high paced match. I loved it. Uh, That's why I'm a kind of a huge fan of speedball. His work rate is Go, go, go 24 yes. seven and Axon Ray when he's not trying to slow down the action and show his technical prowess. He's he's the same way. Go, go, go. And his, this match was yes. a very great clash of styles, which or matchup styles, not even a clash of styles, a matchup styles, which I, what made me look forward to this match. Yeah. So a couple things on Axon Ray just for fun. And, and I said right off the bat, surprisingly athletic. He. Him hanging with speedball was, I think, a little more unexpected than I thought. 
I've noticed that with Axton over the course of time with most of the matches that I have seen, he seems really adaptive. I love that. I love that he's able to jump in there with most whomever. He understands his role and he can perform it fairly well. I know I also kind of went into, you know, length talking about him. I think maybe it was on the last show, but it's one of those things where, again, I'm just now getting him. I don't go too far into it, but I see Tony Deppen in him. I can, I can see the, I can see it. I can just see that he's intelligent enough to pull off that part and make people believe it. I also can see where he could be lovable too. Uh, he would make a great champion, both as a heel and also as a face, but overall a lot of outside of the ring, but it was very quick. It was just one exciting spot. You know, all of a sudden you'd see, see uh, speedball in the second or third uh, row of the chairs, but you know, at the conclusion of this, uh, well, first of all, Speedball won this one. And that was a real impressive win. We we came in at 12 and a half minutes on this one. Once it was over, the fans were pounding the ring canvas. I that that says a lot. That's that show of respect that always happens. And then also, which was kind of nice here, was the fact that they brought the heel face thing together at the end by having Bailey and uh, Axton, you know, shake hands. And they kind of did a dude moment where they hugged. <laughs> But I mean, overall, I, you know, I gave you an earful here, but I mean, that's pretty much all I have to say about that. That was just a beautiful match and a great opener, man. Yes. Going back to how you said you could kind of see Axon Ray a little bit with the Tony Depp and I, I see him, let's say if he wanted to be more heelish, he could do the Tony Depp and strategies of keeping, mm-hmm. making sure the, his opponent doesn't get like their signature moves in or find a different way to manipulate uh his opponent to disappoint yes. the crowd as in like not giving the crowd what they want because from what we've seen he's does some pretty crazy moves where it's kind of mm-hmm. hard not to cheer him no matter even if he is the bad guy it's like oh that was an awesome move we've never seen before and people get up and clap where i think that's where i could kind of see if he does a little bit more face face uh style of wrestling i can see mm-hmm. him i compare him kind of like the alex zane where we've seen alex zane do his baja blast his taco driver the inside out of the ring uh moonsault i could see axon ray using his creativity like alex zane does to get the crowd behind him when he needs to play the face in a match and stuff like that so i could kind of see axon ray like how you said both Tony Deppin and Alex Zane, which of course those two train together too. So it's kind of interesting. I put those two together. But really? Yeah. They, Alex Zane used to like, I believe his first GCW match was a backyard wrestling against Tony Deppin. And Tony Deppin was the one who suggested the match because he saw Alex Zane and did some trained with him and seen what he's able to do in the backyard. I believe they trained back in the, before Tony was even wrestling as much as he is now like he used to wrestle with alexander in the background i remember some commentary was made on that so i that's just how i view axon ray as a mesh between tony deppin and alexane and as you said uh speedball picked up the win he hits uh axon with the ultima weapon and um yes yeah, so it was just a very good way to start the show i believe and yes like i said that could have been for me the main event i could have been called it a night there but luckily that just started the night off and we had a lot more action and more entertaining matches throughout the night. Yeah. I actually wanted to mention that I was going down to my notes here. One of the things that I said was this very well could have been the closer of the night. 
Absolutely. And I think you give them five more minutes just to give them that main event time, even just a little more. They would have torn the house. I mean, people were pounding the canvas on match one. I couldn't imagine if this was the close of the night after the beer is sunk in and, you know, everybody's ready to pop and get the hell out of there. And yeah, what a great uh, what a great first match. Yes. And like how you said, I could have ended the show and everybody would have been just happy. And following your uh, statement on which it would have gone a little bit longer now that you said it. Yes. 12 minutes seems short, but maybe it was a nice little teaser for maybe more matches in the future, hopefully. But we will see and we will keep on following along the Greatness that Alex and Ray has shown us in a short amount of time, as well as the greatness of Speedball, who ever since he's been back in the States in 2022 have just been on another level. A lot of people are saying he might be the independent wrestler of the year, if not the wrestler of the year in other uh, forums, I've heard it. But to start off a JCW Great American Bash, this was a perfect way to do it between Speedball and Alex and Ray. For the second match of the evening, we have a title match. As Ali Catch and Effie, Team Bussy, are defending the GCW tag titles up against Delirious and Edith Surreal. And I know we were kind of talking about it before, but I just like how, even though it's not a GCW show, it is a JCW show. It's kind of like the little sister promotion. But mm-hmm. I love how Team Bussy is out there defending the belts all over the independent wrestling scene. I know they've defended it in at least one or two other promotions out there. But they're out there spreading the GCW tag scene. They're out, out yes. there representing the tag team situation in GCW very well. So I like seeing uh, Team Bussy out there defending the tag GCW tag titles out there and spreading the word of GCW. Um, this was a nice, fun, interesting match. Uh a lot of uh, back and forth, playful style. But uh, John, what did you think of this match? Well, uh, right off the gate, I thought it was nice to see both Delirious and Edith Surreal. Both of them I hadn't seen in a while. Delirious, I feel like it was a long time. It wasn't really long at all. But he's always, a, you know, he's a unique performer. Uh, it was really just, it was really, <laughs> okay, no lie. I'm a big fan of the colors. He has this awesome green and, you know, I, I can't lie. So maybe that's the kid in me, but I love that green color. Quick uh, out there. Anybody that wants to get uh, John as a fan, just wear the color green and he's got your support 24 seven. Hey man, just a high five. I'll give you a <laughs> high five or knucks, you know, nothing big, a smile. Um, but Veda was a little mad because Allie had come out uh, when, you know, it was time for Bussy to come out and she had the hats on Madonna style. Like she had the cones <laughs> on the boob situation. So I thought it was funny that Veda actually said, Hey, wait a minute. I thought we were only supposed to have one each. So, you know, Allie comes out to the ring. She's bragging. She's only had one beer today that we know so, of. Yeah. That, that she'd admit to. <laughs> and uh, so we'll, we'll stop there for a second. Cause I want to tell you about the team bussy situation. I, uh, I really do think in the beginning, I didn't think they were going to take the tag team role seriously. I really honestly thought that it was a uh, an in-between kind of role where eventually when SGC or someone else came along, like uh, Los Macizos came along and they were able to hold that belt for an extended period of time, I thought that maybe that's, yeah, they were maybe just the in-between. So after I've seen quite a few matches, it's obvious that they're definitely serious about making sure that our GCW tag team title is worth the shit. And yeah. I really do appreciate that 100 percent. 
The other thing that's kind of funny, it goes along with being a kid with colors. But initially, when Blissey came together, I was kind of sad that Effie's Elton John entrance was kind of gone. You know, it kind of went went away. And I was like, oh, but I also liked Allie's entrance from the get go. And it kind of grew on me about two, three matches in. I, I finally started to like the little mix. Whoever made that, I thought it was cool that they spent the time to do that. Yes, I'm um, a big fan, too, of tag yeah. teams coming out together. Yeah. As well as, hey, even though we might not have been a team before, even though we know Team Bussy was, but like we've seen in other promotions and other tag teams where they just, two random wrestlers they got nothing for, they just put it into a tag team and they're like, hey, this kind of works and they kind of still do their own separate thing. I like seeing yeah. the tag teams coming out together. They come out color-coordinated. Color they come out, even if you have to mix the two songs, I liked how you said when they start now mixing... Um, Ali catches oh, and yeah. Effie's music. I love that. I just love seeing the camaraderie. It makes it feel more like a tag team. And as you said, like we were kind of skeptical of how Effie and Ali catch would, would be presented to as yeah. tag team champions. And they came Absolutely. out and said, F that we're doing, we're still going to be team Bussy. We're going to do all the SGC and Bussy's things that we do, but we're going to also show you that we're not just here to entertain you. We're here to, kick some ass and defend these tag titles and represent GCW as well as anybody else that wrestles under the GCW flag. Like, Hey, this we're, we're GCW. We're kind of like not GCW originals, but you can kind of regulars as we've been calling them lately. We've been seeing uh -huh. them all over GCW and to have them come out there and take their role as kind of ambassadors of the GCW tag team scene. As I was saying, oh, earlier, yeah. I love seeing that. I, I like how you call that out too. Yeah, you know, those two are great choices as champions, and I couldn't think of anything more professional between those two than taking their role seriously. I mean, no no shit. I, I couldn't think of another way to put it. I, I couldn't have uh, more respect. I, you know, I, I came out with with very few I, I came in with very few expectations and then so far now we're looking at a satisfying run that maybe a year from now there may be a couple matches we'll we'll call back to and say hey we need to go check that out remember when such and such you know was up against bussy and then this happened or that happened so i know it uh it was just i don't want it to overshadow the situation with edith surreal and delirious um, so I will say that, uh, with delirious too, I just want to mention how damn entertaining he was, but also how kid friendly, I think his character can be. I really love the Tasmanian, uh, devil style, you know, blah, 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 kind of, you know, gibberish. I think kids love that. I love it. you know, and, um, I thought it was really cool that, um, that, uh, who was that that did that? That was, um. That was Delirious and Who that got into a little match, a screaming match. But Allie oh, got yeah. into a little screaming match, that little back and forth gibberish and blah, 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 blah. And then eventually she smacked the shit out of him. I think it was a chop. <laughs> and he just went, hell no, and tagged out. So I, I thought that was kind of cool, too. But, um, man, I ran this I ran this through with all my opinion. Uh, would, it, would it be better just to have you just give the winner? <laughs> all right. So we could go right into the winner. And as you were doing that... Uh, yeah. I forgot to, I, I had it earlier. I forgot to say it, but this is this, uh, Bussy wins. Effie hits the spear and then Alley catch catches delirious in the gotch pile driver or not gotch pile driver, the, the, the pile driver that Alley catches use and they pin mm -hmm. delirious. And this ends up being their seventh, uh, 
defense of the GCW tag titles. And oh, no kidding. That goes for other promotions as well. They've I look back, they've re- defended that tag title in at least three other promotions other than GCW. So going back to like, hey, they're serious and representing GCW the right way and how they want GCW to be recognized as. Could, like you said, couldn't find any two better ambassadors to promote the GCW and the GCW tag division. So it was nice seeing Ali Catch and Effie picking up the win here and defending their tag team titles against Edith Surreal and Delirious. Match three of JCW's Great American Birthday Bash. We have Billy Starks going against the birthday boy himself, Nick Wayne. And uh, if I recall correctly, this was a match that Nick Wayne also chose that he wanted to have for his birthday going against his really good friend and also a up-and-comer like himself in Billy Starks. And this was a nice... Uh, Match for two young and up and comers. Um, they yeah. know each other very well. It's a very fun match. What were your thoughts on the match, John? I do think it was always it was fun to just open the show with, or I'm sorry, their portion of the show. You know, singing "Happy Birthday" to Nick. I thought that was really nice, and I think again that was the uh, that was the same song they used previous. I think yep. we even may have even said that same before. One for Joey. Okay. Okay. Good. Yeah, I did like that. Uh, there was 17 shops given out by Billy to Nick. There was 16 on the front and then he had turned around at one point and she got him once real good on the back. Uh, overall though, a lot of this match for the first half was really dominated by Billy. That's one thing I can say for sure. Uh, there was a spot here where Billy actually hits, uh, Wayne with the assault driver on the ring apron. And, uh, What'd you think about at least that? I heard Cornette screaming from all the way here in Las Vegas. Uh, <laughs> what the hell are these kids doing? I know uh, yeah. Yeah, Jim Cornette is, this gives him the little fuel that he somehow wants to have or has. But this, I remember this one spot specifically decided to get him out of his old man chair and to onto his tablet or computer or whatever else he uses social media on and went right to his little typing fingers and typed out online how much he hated this move because he doesn't like to see young kids do these kind of dangerous moves this i go i kind of go back to him not knowing who some of these younger wrestlers are not knowing that nick wayne grew up in this business not knowing billy starks has been around this business since she was very young um and that nick wayne is I, I don't know the exact number. I'm going to assume at least has over 100 matches underneath his belt with all the training and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. I kind of get why he doesn't want to do it is because they're kids. They don't need to be doing those spots. But if they're, as I believe these two to be, are very well trained, very careful with each other. I haven't really seen, to be honest with you, I can't, I'm thinking back right now, of some botch moves of a big out of like, oh, that was really bad. That was a... They didn't quite hit that move as good as they wanted to, or they'd really messed it up. I feel yeah. like these two are absolutely safe enough and they have proven it over and over in all their matches and all their uh, work that they've done and their short careers that they've earned the trust from obviously the JCW people to do this move. And I didn't see any problem with it, but I just thought, and I just wanted to quickly bring that up because I know Cornette made a big guff about it online and I don't agree with it. I I think Billy and Starks are definitely Billy Starks and Nick Wayne are definitely professional enough to know what moves to use on each other and whatnot. And I don't think this should have been blown up as much as it was before. So I just wanted to downplay Corny's uh, 
opinion on that as if you want to say that uh right here on the podcast yeah. okay so i'll give this i'll give this this will be fun to talk about because i'll give you maybe the other side of it to a degree so i'll start here uh number one they pulled off the move great so i'll start right there right off the bat they pulled it off great it was nice and safe everybody ended ended up getting off of the off of their butts and back in uh in the ring in no time so on on the cornet thing here will be something that'll be kind of interesting I see also, like you said, his point where there are kids and there is a chance of real injury. Um, I'll dig into that for just a minute. I'm kind of curious what will happen in case some kid does get injured one day. I mean, is that something where do parents sign waivers for these kids to perform? There's also a possibility that a lot of these performers are already incorporated like businesses. So I am curious also, you know, legally how that all goes down. None of my business. But I am curious as to what would happen, Lord forbid, a 16 or a 17-year-old may get injured and how the state would respond, you know, how the state uh, commission may respond to that situation. Um, so getting back a little bit to the Cornette situation. So we talked a little bit about the Rock and Roll Express and how they were one of the few, pe you know, one of the first people I really started to watch and they helped me fall in love with wrestling. So where I tie that in is the fact that I've seen Cornette since about 84, roughly, and uh, I had to grow up with that slower wrestling, and I think quite a few of us around my age and older grew up definitely with a different style, uh, a different thought process on how it should go. Back then, there still was the belief that it should look fairly real, that it, you know, when somebody punches you in the face, it should be a believable uh, reaction, and you should sit there for a while and shake that you know, that uh, punch off. Whereas now you could take a kick to the face, you go down for a minute, you know, you strong style back up and boom. And I appreciate all that. I don't think Cornette understands how that, uh, I know he doesn't agree with it. I don't think he understands what it's done for fans. It's become a much more exciting show. And I really think as there's been a decline in fans overall in wrestling over the last couple decades, I think the adoption of this style has helped keep those who may have wavered, um, kept them in and made sure that the, those butts still go in the seats and the money still comes in the door. Um, so what I think is, even though I feel that it's not the safest of move, and I understand why uh, Cornette would say that, I do agree, given that I'm a parent who has a 17-year-old, you also are a parent too. And... Um, I mean, you're probably already weighing what could happen before you even send that kid off to go do what they would like to do. I know you have to do that. I know I'll eventually have to do that myself. So I just wanted to kind of go off on that small tangent for a minute. I, I sincerely apologize, but I do want to say that I I do understand Cornette's side of it. I know it's not the most exciting or the most popular answer in this situation, but I wanted to let you know that I do see both sides of it and i wanted to kind of hit on both sides because i thought it's a really interesting conversation to have yeah going back to like how you said uh with the waivers and stuff like my son he does train uh wrestling at a wrestling school out here in vegas uh they do make a sign waivers saying like hey you know what you're getting your child into and we have to sign a waiver that kind of covers the companies which is smart and 
the problem I think with a lot of wrestling schools now is a lot of these wrestling schools, they just want to say they have a wrestling school while some of these trainers are not quite the best. They don't have the best interests in mind when it comes to the children. Um, I don't have that worry. We have our trainer out here is awesome, but I do. I know they make them sign waivers and yes, as you said, it was back in the eighties and stuff where the work rate was not a big deal back then. I think they were trying to create these out of this world characters, bigger than life characters. It wasn't really about the work. It was more about how can you um, appeal to the fans and grab that fan's attention and grab that fan's money to make you invest in this company and you as a wrestler where nowadays I see the work rate has gone up. And I think that is good for the business while it also increases the danger of the business. I think it Mm -hmm. it's good because if you look at everyone's on their phones right now, they got their attention span is super small. And with the high paced matches and the work rate that they're doing, I believe that's, working right now for fans of this era and this generation of wrestling while it's not yeah. necessarily hey you have to be the biggest worker we've seen we've seen wrestlers all the time they get super over with the crowd not on work rate but we also see a lot of the high work rate people i kind of like the work rate i go for i like to see non-stop in-ring action but i yeah. do also have a love to see the technical wrestling of a jonathan gresham or uh a tony deppin and see how uh mineral suzuki coming out and doing like a very more slow paced match more technical more striking like i'm all for that and i just think Cornette, in my opinion is a little bit behind on the times with the whole work rate and his opinion of wrestling but yes. he has earned his opinion while we don't have to agree with it we are allowed to disagree with it as well and we're allowed yep. Yep. we're allowed to agree and disagree on certain opinions here and like i i like hearing both ends of it because a lot of people especially now with social media and we see a lot of days especially right now in the wrestling world where a lot of wrestlers are delete, deleting Twitter because they don't want to hear the people not in the wrestling talk about it, but they're also tired of hearing people like Cornette, who is heart hates everything about wrestling nowadays. And once it being back in the 1800s, kind of, I see these wrestlers see Cornette as taking money out of, out of their pocket by always talking bad about them and talking bad about this current generation. It's not really helping this generation as well as future generations of wrestling. I think us mm-hmm. as podcasters, us as fans, Cornette as a former wrestler, as a podcaster, as a, I think he's a fan of wrestling now, who knows, but I think like as wrestling evolves, the fans could either choose to evolve with it and like what's going on now, or they could choose to enjoy the historical wrestling that they had as they were a kid or in the past. And I believe that's a good thing now about wrestling nowadays is, there's all sorts of types out there. If you like wrestling, there is a company out there for you. Whether you like the high fly, the death match, the hardcore, the old school uh, mm-hmm. wrestling. So yep. I, I just think it's us. We need to help wrestling evolve and get better for future wrestlers and, fit, and be better fans for future fans instead of always harping on the negative and stuff like that as Cornette seems to kind of as right now, he's kind of in that yeah. phase of his life. Was hey, I want to get that old. T- I'm getting that old now where I can't leave the house anyway without losing my mind on people. Or he's <laughs> at losing his mind of seeing what he helped build, kind of in his opinion, fall back. Where in a lot of people that are in the business now and thriving are saying, "No, we're pushing this business forward and making it better." And I see the better of the 
future of the business other than rather than just sit and dwell on what I don't like and complain about it all the time. So that's just my little yeah. two cents on that. I know we kind of sidetracked from uh, the no, Nick no, no. Wayne and Billy Wayne Starks match or Nick Wayne and Billy Starks match, but <laughs> I just I wanted to throw that out there with Cornette thing, and I know it was a good discussion point for us supposed to have as we both agree with it, and we have our sides where we kind of see the point as well. Yeah, as as a child, I was uh, highly entertained by what created his foundation for what he has today. So I was able to see, you know, you watch a flare match in 84. If you put that on today, you, you know, there's a good chance your son is on his phone in less than three to five minutes because mm -hmm. nobody's flipping yet. Or, you know, um, I will say, and this kind of bridges into something we may talk about down the road, but storytelling right now is kind of weak and it's really weak in the independence. I think that's the nature of the beast because the performers move around so much. And I do believe also that, you know, there's, there's that chance of injury and I'm really surprised we don't hear more about companies, maybe butting heads because the guy that they were about to set up a four month storyline with just got taken out because Mr. Say such and such, decided he was going to get a big pop that night because he was running on adrenaline and wants to, you know, get out there and make a name for himself. Um, I'm really, I feel fortunate as a fan that we have so much goodwill, at least, at least that we see out there when it comes to getting talent pumped out to us and giving us those matches that, uh, it's so nice to turn on a show and I can see Billy Starks in a match she hasn't been in in either a long time or she's never been in at all. I could turn it to WWE and I could watch uh, pick pick any diva and you'll see her in a match with, let's just say, one of the three hot random divas at the time, hot storyline wise at the time. And that's just what you're going to see. So I really do like having all of this variety and I'm really, I really feel fortunate we're able to see all these young kids uh, perform. I do think that at one point I'd like to sit down with a pen and paper. Yeah, old school. <laughs> and make a little note of how many regulars come through GCW that's under the age of 25. I would love to count those up, take a, take a good portion of them. I'd like to take some of the veterans, cut it up, and I'd love to see what would what the roster would look like at GCW if that could be locked down. I I I know it's branching from one branch to another with this conversation, but I'm looking at the match between Billy Starks and Nick Wayne, and it is just so damn exciting. I I mean, really, this this we'll go more to the ending here, but Billy basically ended with the roll up. It was beautiful. Uh, the match was really made to push Billy, which was really interesting for it being a Nick Wayne match. This is the second surprise we had tonight, because for me, the first one was Speedball being a heel. And the second one was the fact that this was really to put over Billy. And I thought that was such a surprise. And at the same time, it was just it was so Nick Wayne. I've I've same thing. I've talked to him. Such a nice kid. Real heart. I find it really interesting that they decided to put their heads together and say, you know what, Billy, we're going to do this and it's going to be yours. Yes, I liked how uh, Nick Wayne took the loss there. And even though it's his birthday, he uh, took the loss and Billy was the better competitor that, uh, competitor that night. And um, yeah, it was a fun match. Um, like I said, those two, even though we see their age, we see like they are young. 
I have never seen either one of those two perform a maneuver where I'm like, why are they doing that? They shouldn't be doing that based off of age, where I think that's where kind of Cornette is kind of going back to the whole thing real fast. Is just like Cornette, like just yeah. picking a random age and saying, hey, these people shouldn't be doing it. It's like, I'm at my age where I did wrestling for a little bit, not a long time, but like I... I could do that move and I'm this age, but I'm kind of brand new to wrestling. What would he say just about me? Because I'm haven't done it. It's like these people have wrestling in their blood literally since a child. And like, they know what they're doing. They know how to perform. And these two, I, I don't ever think based off age of how, if there should be safe or not, it's like their experience level, regardless of age and past proof of what they've done in the ring this match made me feel like didn't make me go oh my god like i had to turn my head away and just in case some an injury happens i just think these two at such a young age are so talented where they are able to mm-hmm. i think now even start to expand as we kind of saw with this move with billy expand their moveset and grow as a performer and this was a very good stage um, for Billy Starks to show her growth as a performer, same as Nick Wayne to show his growth as helping people getting over off off of him. And I thought it was just kind of cool. Like, yeah, it's your birthday, but you still took the L. So that I liked it. It was a very fun overall match. Um, I know, like I said, we got sidetracked on a sidebar, but oh, no, this no, was no. a fun match. It was a very good way to uh, transition into the rest of the night as Billy Starks kind of picked up the surprise win over Nick Wayne. So let me let me just one last one, because I know we were going to end that segment. But I want to say something I don't know if I've ever thought of before. But as I was watching this Nick Wayne loss, it kind of reminded or just kind of came to my head. I have watched I don't know how many Nick Wayne wins or losses, but he's one of the few performers that whether he wins or loses, I could give a damn less. It's so interesting. There aren't many performers like that, but I can tell you, unless there's a championship in his hand, I could give a shit if he wins or loses. All I give a shit about is that he's there and he's performing. I I just wanted to say that because I don't know how many of other have thought that way, but I thought it was kind of a cool thing to bring up for a second. I'm right there with you, with him, especially at such a young age where I believe he should not be caring about these wins or losses as of right now, as of course you want to always win and always go out and give it your best. But Mm -hmm. I love, I watch Nick Wayne and Billy Starks and all these other star boys, Charlie's these young competitors. Uh, I'll go back to I Jordan Oliver, like, see them grow from match to match and yeah. see the improvements yeah. that they had. Like I know Nick Wayne might, he's got a uh, bigger future in mind as he's is signed by AEW where I think that's where he could start worrying about wins and losses. But as of right now, I think he should be fighting any and every competitor he can just to get, uh, show off his versatility and help him become more versatile in the technical areas or more storytelling or, Hey, how can I get me as more over than anyone else? Like maybe him start getting a little bit more selfish and focusing, focusing on how he can improve his own brand. And mm-hmm. I just like seeing, like you said, there's certain wrestlers where like, yeah, I want them to win or I want them to lose. But then there's others like, I don't care if they win or lose. Cause I know I'm going to get a great match and I want to see how much they improved from last week even you get to see the improvements and stuff like that so this was a fun way to see both in both wrestlers improve and also uh showcase their talents in the jcw match here for the fourth match of the evening we have a three-way match of masha slamovich going against janai kai and Lindsay snow and i thought this was a good 
three-way uh, women's match. Nice way to showcase their growing and evolving women's division in JCW slash GCW, as we've kind of seen the fluidity of some of the JCW wrestlers going up to GCW and vice versa. So I thought this was a nice three-way match. Um, kind of had a little lead up earlier in the day as we covered in the GCW sediment series when Masha came out as Akira's lawyer in Akira's match <laughs> versus Janaikai and yeah. uh, kind of cost Janaikai the victory against her boyfriend. So I thought that was a kind of cool way earlier in the day, even though it was on a different show, they were probably going to get the same crowd to watch both shows. I thought it was a nice way to kind of set up uh, this eventual three-way match that happened. What were your thoughts on the match versus Masha, Janai and Lindsay? Uh, first I can say that I really appreciate when there's just even if a little storyline that if you're just watching the show before you can appreciate why what's going on now is even happening. I really did like that in this three-way match, it seemed like all three women were going at it the entire time. This wasn't a three-way where one guy goes outside of the ring, you know, he's catching his breath and making sure that he walks off that knee injury while the other two do the work. And then one guy flies out and then here comes the other guy. This was a lot more just a three-way dance. And I mean, it really was because you almost have to dance. You're looking at one person, next thing you know, you're looking at the other. So there was not a lot of, of high flying in this one whatsoever. It was a lot of kicks, a lot of punches. I mean, for a woman's match, it would be the quote unquote slobber knocker kind of thing. All three women showed that they were tough as nails. Each woman, I think, had an equal amount of time of dominance on this. And um, it was just a quick and hard hitting seven and a half minute match. Yes. And uh, as you were saying, hard hitting, like you got three great strikers. And that's what this kind of match I was kind of expecting it to be kind of like a a three-way women's MMA match like with the, the way yeah. they were going to all stand-up battles because most of all three are known as strikers and yes they do have some grapples especially Janai Kai being a black belt Masha Slamovich has shown she has a lot of uh, good ground game as well I haven't seen too much of Lindy So's ground game but I've seen her toughness for sure and striking and other yes. promotions so it's kind yeah. of nice seeing a little different version of her as well during this three-way match but I thought it was a perfect little three-way to set up uh what possibly could be future matches down the line in the women's division as this was a good showcase for all three um I love Masha just out there just going to cause going out there just to cause havoc Janai Kai is going to go out there and, and show her dominance doesn't matter who you are or what kind of wrestling you do and Lindsay Snow was kind of like the the wild card you never you know what she's going to do during this match but I thought it was a great three-way nice short uh short match but each got their stuff in very stiffly got their stuff in which is yes awesome yeah. seeing too like showing how tough they really are and um Masha ends up uh with getting the victory as she hit Janai Kai with the white knight driver. So nice little way to wrap up that story that they had throughout the day with Masha costing Janai earlier and now picking up the victory over Janai Kai as well. For the fifth match of the evening, we have a legend in action as Mr. 187 himself. Homicide goes one-on-one -on -one with the up-and-coming Alec Price. And this was one of those uh, other matches I was looking forward to. I am a huge Homicide fan. I've been a fan of his since the early Ring of Honor days, the Impact Wrestling. Anywhere I see Homicide show up, I will go out of my way to watch it. And slowly and surely, Alec Price is becoming one of those wrestlers for me. So I thought this was a good way to show 
off the legendary homicide while also raising Alec Price's awareness to GCW, JCW, independent wrestling fans all over the world. It was a good way to uh, show off homicide in his current state as well as demonstrate the possibilities they have with Alec Price. So I love seeing those two in action. I was looking forward to this match. John, what were your thoughts on this match? Uh, I liked right before the match even started, you have Alec Price coming out of that curtain there. He starts playing heel right off the bat. You know, he's going around talking trash to the crowd, getting in people's faces, yelling. They're yelling at him. You know, it was really fun. It got the crowd really into it. The crowd was passionate for quite a while. They were cheering a lot more than earlier on in the show. It really picked up from this point forward. Everybody was having a blast. The first half of the match was primarily uh, homicide, just kicking the shit out of price. And I think that's what really made the fans go crazy was the fact that they were watching a heel that nobody likes, just getting the crap kicked out of them by a veteran that everybody loves. Uh, regardless who he is, fans were still giving Alec an equal amount of cheers. That was really surprising. It seems like Alec is growing on not just you, not just me, but it seems like he's really growing on the GCW fan base. I really think that, not really think, I really hope that this is going to continue. I think that he's got a couple years before he still grows into his body, but I see that he already has the mind for knowing how to piss someone off. And it seems like he's decent with reading the crowd. Same thing. Like I said, I just, I wanted to see him grow into his body. He still has that longer, leaner look that you would have out of a younger kid. But overall, I think this was a match that really did a lot for Alex value overall. There was that was awesome chance that came up. So, I mean, that's I think that's primarily what I wanted to mention was the fact that this was this was a lot of homicide putting the offense on. But this was quietly a lot, a lot about Alec. Yes, I thought this was a good way to get more heat on Alec as obviously, as you said, he comes out right away, just demanding the heat and getting the heat from the fans. But mm -hmm. he is so talented in the ring where it kind of hurts his heel persona where the fans want to cheer for him because he's doing awesome, creative stuff and getting his shit over with, with all of us. And even though he's a heel, he's still showing like, Hey, I could do this stuff as a face too, if I needed you guys. But I thought this was a perfect opponent for him to also escalate his heelish ways. And he did that near the end of the match as he started getting a little bit more desperate and uh, vocal towards the crowd, towards the ref, towards homicide as um, homicide, as you said, being the legend that he is, of course, is just, easy to cheer for him going against the asshole that everyone hates at the current match and Alex. So I thought this was a cool uh, match all around the setup, the build to it of like, just, just even just on name value alone of legendary figure that everyone loves going against up and comer. That's cocky brash and everyone hates. I thought it was kind of a good setup for that way. Um, I really, there's like two spots in this match that kind of really uh, stick out to me. The first is, uh, Alec uh, homicide ends up uh, body slamming Alec, and if we if you watch uh, previous Alec Price matches, he comes out just chomping on that gun left and right, and like as mm -hmm. he's body slamming him, the gun the gum goes flying out, and like homicide slams him. Notice the gum on the ground and showing the uh, 
the GCW crowd and the JCW crowd that he's one sick fuck. He ends up grabbing the gum and putting it in his mouth, and then he got a, like a you sick fuck shit. So I, yeah. I like that kind of badass from Homicide. And another spot in this match when they were early on on the outside of the ring, Alex was kind of bent over trying to catch his breath, and Homicide ends up taking a chair from a fan and slides it like pretty much the whole length of the apron, like one side of the ring, and slides it perfectly into Alec Price's nuts and Alec Price just has to sit there and <laughs> take it and it hits him perfectly. Those were my highlights of the match. Um, as you said, this was an awesome match. They got the, that is awesome chance and homicide does pick up the victory, uh, ends up hitting Alec with the cop killer and beats him in about 17 minutes. This was a good match, a lot yeah. of time to let him breathe. It wasn't too high spotty of a match. I like kind of like how maybe Alex, Alec would prefer it. But Homicide, mm -hmm. being the veteran that he is, ends up getting his shit in as well while also controlling the pace of the match. So I thought the 17 minutes was a good, perfect spot on the card for a nice 17 minutes match between a legend and a hate hateable heel. So overall, I thought this was a great match. For the sixth match of the evening, we have the Bunk House Stampede. And this match... Uh, we have quite a few wrestlers in it. I'm going to go over everyone that was involved in this match, except one, as they were a surprise entrant near the end of the match. And then we will talk about the fun stuff we saw during the match. And then I will, at the end, quickly go over all the eliminations, Excalibur style, so that way you know who eliminated who, as it could possibly set up future JCW storylines and matches. So I would like to get that information out there for everyone, just in case they're interested in that for future reference. So the Stampede, or sorry, buck, Bunkhouse Stampede match. We have the one called Manders, Akira, Austin Luke, Bam Sullivan, Big Vin, Brandon Kirk, not Catal, Charles Mason, Charlie Tiger, Dylan McKay, Alice Taylor, Grim Reefer, Jeff Cannonball, Josh Bishop, Casey Catal, Marcus Mathers, Too Hot Steve Scott, and as I said, we have one mystery opponent that comes out near the end of this match. Um, and I will kind of save it for the surprise and kind of go over why it was a surprise and all that stuff during the match. But this was an interesting uh, bunkhouse stampede and typical GCW slash JCW uh, style and these rumble matches that they just, they have. There's not really a set uh, standard of rules. They decide to kind of just wing it as themselves. They kind of have a basic <laughs> outline of how they expect the match to go. <laughs> But uh -huh. uh, structurally, there's not really a someone comes out every 30 seconds, not just one person comes out at a time. And in this match, we uh, see a lot of it. So, uh, John, what were your thoughts on this match? Well, I thought it was kind of fun from the beginning that Emil came out with this. I guess it was either glass or a plastic, a clear cowboy hat. Yeah. And whoever won the match of this uh, bunkhouse stampede was going to win the cowboy hat. The first thing off the bat was that the match started with Reefer and Young Dumb and Broke. They just decided it was time to smoke weed together. So they did exactly that until the next entrant came in. I'm not going to go particularly over one by one by one so that it's not so, uh, you know, by the book and bullet point. But primarily, Charles Mason came out. He was unannounced. He wasn't even supposed to be in yet. He attacked Yoya on his entrance. I really enjoyed Mathers versus Mason. 
I really do think in the long run that that's going to be a great little match between those two. From what I saw in that match from the Stampede there, I really see shades of those two working together in time if someone will book them to. I'm really becoming a Mason fan. I love his gimmick. I love the facial expressions. I think that he is in training to be one hell of a great heel. I think he's already on his way. I believe that for his age, he's got a great grasp of what he needs to do to get that done. But otherwise, I did notice that mid-match, the wrestlers did start entering in faster intervals. So I, I did notice there there wasn't a set time. I I tried to pay attention to that. And I, every time a Royal Rumble comes on, I try to count it out. You know, there's always a little five seconds here, 10 seconds there, you know. Um, but I did notice that they did come in in faster intervals. Anything else that you can think of? Because I know you're going to kind of eventually lead up to that surprise entrant there. Well, I know uh, we were talking about on the GCW Cinema Series, our last episode near the end, uh, when Charles Mason went one-on-one against Yoya. I made a reference of how I thought at the end of that match that he put uh, Yoya in the trash bag during then. Well, I was wrong. It ended up being later that night when... uh, Yoya made his entrance, as you said. Charles Mason attacked him and ended up putting Yoya in a full-on trash bag all the mm-hmm. way in, dragged him back to the back uh, through the entrance curtain, and we thought that was the last of Yoya throughout this match. Unless you pay <laughs> attention during the actual stampede match, if you look in the direct back area where it kind of looks like the entrance way for the fans, um, mm-hmm. you could kind of see a Yoya who was just dragged out in a <laughs> trash bag standing there kind of chilling with everyone else so maybe he was like trying to use that as everyone uh trying to hide behind everyone so that way he could sneak in later in the match as we will get into but it was just kind of funny scene like wait a minute five minutes ago you're dragged in the back in a body bag which it looked like and then uh-huh. now you're in uh-huh. the back like that was a little interesting to see but um that was one thing that stuck out during the match to me um uh alice taylor ends up hitting dylan mckay with one of those cool adam cole super kicks like dylan mckay was doing a moonsault from the second rope like just on in the middle of the ring in the middle of the ropes i should say uh was mm-hmm. trying to surprise and hit a uh, moonsault onto ellis taylor but ellis taylor saw it and uh end up super kicking him right in the face which was a cool uh spot that i've seen before and i like seeing that one and they perform that one just as good as the first time i saw it so that got me popped a little bit um then we had uh go ahead i was gonna say there was a spot with josh bishop he put both of the young dumb and broke crew through that door together yes and i'll and i was gonna just say because i know you were kind of looking there bishop had one hell of a strong showing until big vin hit yes but bishop's another one man i i think he's really going somewhere it's just a matter of when I uh, obviously, based off his look and his even ring gear and his entrance and demeanor and everything, I think it's a common place to go to with him. But as in past mm-hmm. wrestlers, I think he is Sid. He is a reincarnation yeah. of Sid, where he might not be the most technical and um, come across clean in the ring, but he's so damn strong. He's so damn unpredictable. And you just don't know what you're going to get from him. And you know, for one thing, you're going to get violence and you're going to get a lot of strength involved. And I thought that was a pretty cool spot of him throwing both members of Young Dumb and Broke through that door. Um, he did have a little impressive out in here, eliminating quite a few wrestlers uh, throughout this match. But right away, he came through that curtain. I was like, oh my God, it's Sid. Like, I've seen yeah, little bits of yeah. Josh Bishop here and there, but that was one of those moments that made me think of 
Sid when he came out. Um, another fun spot during this match, I like uh, when Akira came out. He brought his little uh, traveling bag, which looked like he had uh his probably ring gear or other street clothes uh, for the airport but he also had hidden in the luggage which he attacked everyone with in the ring a pair of flip-flops and on the bottom of the flip-flops <laughs> were the thumbtacks and i loved how yeah. he was running around the ring trying to get uh hit everybody with the thumbtacks he even had a little funny spot as bishop kind of went in the ring uh akira was outside bishop came out to the same side of the ring uh that akira was on akira looked at him was like no i'm good i don't want to mess with you right now and kind of walked <laughs> to the opposite side of the ring and then later on um he was going to sneak attack uh josh bishop as he was outside trying to grab the door uh Kira was hiding behind uh the ring post like with the flip-flops ready to attack him i just thought akira kind of brought a little comedy side to him as we said we yeah. kind of see more of the versatility of not just the death match with akira we saw we see him technical he wants to show off his technical abilities in his match against janai kai earlier that day we saw the striking but uh this was nice to kind of see akira in like a little comedic spot um with the thumbtacks and with the hiding from josh bishop um I'll kind of go through some of the eliminations now, unless you got some others. You got another spot you saw, uh, saw during that match you really liked or no? Let's see here. Honestly, you covered so much. I will just say that, you know what? You know, you're going to cover that in the, in the, uh, go ahead and go through it, man. That okay. was the long answer of no. <laughs> <laughs> well, as you said, like I, another one too, is like, it was awesome kind of seeing big Vin come out as like, as Josh Bishop just destroyed the entire ring. Like, all right, who's going to yeah. stop this monster? Boom, Big Vin comes out. So it was nice him. Uh him he got a nice little pop uh from the crowd as kind of the savior for everyone else to kind of get rid of Josh Bishop. But uh mm -hmm. let me kind of go down the uh eliminations right now. So we had Charles Mason eliminated Grim Reefer, Ellis Taylor eliminated Dylan McKay, Josh Bishop eliminates Charlie Tiger, Alice Taylor, Austin Luke, and Marcus Mathers, all in mm. concession. Uh, Big Vin, then that's when Big Vin came out and end up cleaning house and gets Josh Bishop out and eliminates Josh Bishop. Um, Casey Catal eliminated Big Vin with the help of, obviously, Brandon Kirk. Uh, Casey Catal then also eliminated Akira. Bam Sullivan eliminated Steve Hot, uh, Too Hot Steve Scott, which that reminds me too. I liked when Steve Scott came out and they end up, the feed from Fight TV end up going through his phone as he was using the selfie stick. I seen that in other companies and I haven't seen that often. So I loved seeing that kind of that uh, yeah. play into Steve Scott's character. Then we had Charles Mason eliminated Bam Sullivan. Brandon Kirk and Casey Catal each worked together as well to eliminate Jeff Cannonball. Uh, the one called Manders eliminated Brandon Kirk. And then this is where I believe our special entrance comes in play. And the special entrance of the Buck Bunkhouse Stampede match was none other than the legend himself, Matt Tremont. And that kind of popped the crowd is kind of like no one came out for the longest time. So everyone kind of thought, Hey, we're done getting entries in, but let alone, uh, Tremont's music plays. You see the place all stand up and like holding their heads. Surprises mm -hmm. me a legend, another legend in the JCW, um, events. So it was very cool seeing the crowd give uh Tremont the love and respect that 
he kind of deserves obviously being part of everything that's been going on with these companies, but as a surprise entrant to kind of help clean house and possibly win the bunkhouse stampede. So once he comes out, we then have, uh, he did come out and eliminate Casey Catal and then Charles Mason being the little sneaky sadistic person that he is. He eliminates Matt Tremont and then he eliminates the one called Manders. And we think that is the end of the match as he's on the outside celebrating still on the apron did not fully uh, go over the top rope and both feet touch the ground yet. As that was one of the ways to win during this match as well as they could have won by pinfall or submission as well. And uh, out from back where we saw him from Yoya. Returns yeah. to the ring as he was not officially in the match yet, was not officially eliminated. He comes out from behind, sneak attacks Charles Mason, and he ends up becoming the bunkhouse stampede winner at JCW's Great American Birthday Bash. And I know we've been kind of giving Yo-Yo, Yo-Ya some love and also some gruff based off his name with some of the jokes we've been throwing out there as mm-hmm. well, some of the commentaries. But I know you've been making a big uh, saying, like, it'd be awesome to see Yo-Ya get a little push here. And what were your thoughts on him winning this bunkhouse stampede and kind of maybe starting to push or at least got the rub that night at least? Yeah, so since we were trying to watch these, review them, and then put the shows on, this was around the time where I was really starting to notice that Yo-Yo was getting more of a push than I'd realized. And I'm watching back three, four shows before this one. It's just Yo-Yo, Yo-Yo, yo even when he even when he loses. Yo-Yo, Yo-Yo, Yo-Yo. So I thought that was really cool to see him come out again. And this wasn't just a five-man situation. This was many, many more. So again, it made him look really good. I was really happy that we get so many people together to just make us happy, entertain us. And then I want to talk about Matt Tremont for a minute. I didn't even talk to you about this, but I want to kind of make it a little bit of an appreciation point. I sent a message on Twitter quite a while just as an appreciation kind of a tweet. And I mentioned how I notice how much he likes to get the crowd into it. He really does like that interaction. I noticed that he likes feel good moments. You know, I've noticed that he really wants people involved a lot. He has this thing for drama. He understands how that works. He works well with the crowd. Not a lot. I don't know how many people maybe mention this. Maybe it's just a professionalism thing between the people back behind the. But for a tough exterior that he has, he really does have a really caring, uh, you know, an inside there that really wants to put on a show. So, I mean, I've seen that same thing with Andre the Giant, where he really wants to come out there and be, you know, this this huge hulking, you know, tough guy. But I also have a picture that I'll show when I get a chance down the road of Andre the Giant, where he's bowing almost like he was on a stage in Broadway. I mean, just a beautiful picture of of a man who really worked his ass off and you forget the performance aspect of it. And Tremont, no matter how much he bleeds, he's still going to make sure that even if you're horrified, you're still going to be involved some way, one way or another. And he really puts to use a lot of things that um, that other wrestlers may, you know, they might just hit somebody with something. But with Tremont, you're going to at least see that it hurts him. You know, a lot of guys just take the shot, hurt for three seconds, look at the camera and they're done. Whereas Tremont, he knows how to kind of kind of drag it out a little bit. And then same thing. He's just a damn good wrestler. He still knows he, he knows how to wrestle. So 
On top of that, he has H2O that he's working with. And I just want to say, even on a GCW show, quite a few H2O guys are, uh, are, I mean, quite a few H2O people. You'll see vice versa with GCW and back and forth. And um, you can every now and then catch a GCW person over there. But that is one hell of a little school over there. And they're putting on a really good show. Yeah, and like a lot of their the people that you see on H two O were in this match on throughout this whole card. They were out there representing H two O, and uh, as you were saying, Tremont has that way to connect with the fans. Um, mm-hmm. I know he just came back from the retirement, and that's when he's on his little run that he's on right now. But overall, lately he has been since he's been back. You see the love that he has for wrestling. He realized he wasn't done giving back to the business as that's how I'm looking at. This is his not farewell well tour, but this is his giving back tour as he's making yes. himself available to all these names. We might consider lower names where maybe why is he wrestling there, but he sees something in those people. Um, mm-hmm. as like Cole Radrick being one of them. I, um, he, I just know that he is in the business of connecting with the fans, connecting with the wrestlers, and he's earned that respect where that's why that crowd popped so loud because they're like, you didn't expect Matt Tremont being at a JCW show. Like, I'm not trying to downplay JCW. Like, this was the highlight for me of the card of the weekend was JCW. But as we've seen yeah. more normally, they're kind of thrown in on these GCW Atlantic City um car like the events throughout the day like the main events are the gcw shows but if you go earlier throughout the day and you catch the jcw show you're going to see a lot of good talent and a lot of great wrestling before you even get to the gcw card and matt Tremont coming out here and knowing how much the fans love the gcw jcw um brands then him being a part of it and him showing up and showing like hey jcw is for real don't sleep on it don't consider us the sister promotion like we could do our own stuff too and i thought him coming out kind of added more credibility to not just this match but to this card and it shows like hey jcw is we could we're good on our own we don't have to be held together or recognized with gcw we could be recognized outside of gcw as well and that was just like a fun match of i say i love callbacks it called back to earlier as i slipped up on the last last podcast thinking that mason already threw yoya into the trash bag where no it happened later that night and um I, I could see a lot of storylines for JCW coming through this match, as we saw with the Catals and the Kirks, um, Mason, Bishop. I just think they have a lot of seeing as much talent just in this match alone shows like, hey, yeah. JCW has something going and this might be able to respark a lot of new feuds and a lot of new storylines going on in their product as well. Yeah, I really like how H2O is really working alongside GCW and JCW quite a bit most recently, especially with sharing Mathers. Yes. I know he's one of the ones that's over there quite a bit. And we've been seeing a lot of Marcus Mathers. And I know I was kind of, I think I tooted his horn about how good he was maybe a show or two ago, but um, you know, seeing the H2O group come over there and try to put down a little bit of themselves. Then you've got the big boy Tremont coming in. You know what I mean? It's like watching the bear come in and kick the shit out of whoever wants to mess with the Cubs. Yep. Uh, that's exactly what i was thinking too it's like all right you're done messing around with my marcus mathers my our austin lukes or whatever like all right Mm -hmm. come deal with the big guy now charles mason like stop stop messing with my quote-unquote little ones come after the big dog here and i thought that was a very cool way to tie all that along as well as give mason 
the super heat that he already has it gives him even more yeah. heat when he eliminates uh the people that he did during this match and then he got his comeuppance though when uh Yoya sneaks in and eliminated him. So overall, I thought it was a fun, fun match. Had a lot of different personalities, a lot of different styles, and uh, being the bunkhouse stampede match, we didn't know what to expect. And I think overall, it delivered uh, what I thought it would have turned out to be. In the co-main event of JCW's Great American Birthday Bash, we have. Hermanos Lee, consisting of Dragon Lee and Drillistico, going against the Space Gods and ASF and Gringo Loco. And for me, anytime I get to see ASF and Gringo Loco in a match, whether it be against each other or as a team, I'm always excited to see what Gringo does with ASF to do some crazy spot because they always, as a team, they work great together as opponents. They work great together. Seems like every single time I see them, they do something crazy that I've never seen before. I have seen Dragon Lee in the past. I've seen him team up with his brother Roosh in the past. So I know like Dragon Lee's more the high style and stiff luchador style other than just like high flying, running around the ring. He brings a very mm-hmm. stiff uh, aspect to his striking and his abilities while also bringing out the luchador and high flying. Drillistico, I have not seen too much of him other than a couple triple a matches here and there but haven't really followed him around so i was interested to kind of see how he would fit into this dynamic of i like i said i know what the other three are going to bring to the table not so much with him but overall i thought this was a very fun match anytime i get to see gringo loco in a lucha match with other luchadors i just know it's gonna they're gonna try to steal the show and this one was a pretty good match. They had a lot of money tossed in the ring afterwards. So in the fans' eyes, it might have stolen the show. But uh, I thought this was a well, well-paced uh, luchador match. What were your thoughts on it, John? Um, Okay. This isn't going to be the first time I've mentioned it tonight, so I'm going to kind of make a little bit of a joke about it to a degree. But Dragon Lee had an awesome outfit great blue color i don't know why but there was just certain i don't know if it's certain colors or whatnot and again it sounds kind of oh i'm not the tough gcw no what it is is i understand the use of color and i understand the use of these outfits and how they really do bring accent to the person and who they are and what they're trying to get across so I don't know why, but this was just one of those things where one of my impressions was, holy shit, he looks great. That outfit really looks great. And then he backs it up with one hell of a performance in the ring. I'm with you also, Mystical, here that I've not really seen much of Drillistico. If I had, I don't remember it, honestly. I don't mean anything of it. I don't want to take any way, uh, you know, I don't want to take anything away whatsoever, especially after watching this match. But I did like the fact that uh, the both guys here started off with the rock, paper, scissors to see who was going to wrestle first. That was, you know, just one of those classic little entertaining things. And that might have been the uh, longest time I've ever seen tag team like play rock, paper, scissors before. Like they tied yeah. at least three times, which was pretty funny. They're like, all right, are we going to end this or what? Like that was a funny yeah. little spot scene, like as you said. Yeah, they were probably just arguing on where they were going to eat later after the show. (laughs) I mean, you know, it was a solid match overall. Great Lucha match. Fast pace as expected. It was a good quality match as expected. It's one of those ones where it's expected to be faster than the average match. It's supposed to be higher flying than the average match. There's supposed to be more action than the average match. This did all of that. 
Absolutely. This was exactly what they meant it to be. You had four people in there who knew exactly what they were doing. Drillistico had a great top rope Hurricane Rana all the way to the floor on Gringo Loco. If you have a chance, go back and check that out. There was a great killer Gringo bomb on Drillistico that if you have a chance, check that out. Uh, same thing I wanted to mention, too. I love it. Please, if you have the chance, do it because these guys are coming out of the way to come to you. Not please throw money. I know it sounds like a lot. If you don't have it, my goodness, please don't. But if you have a couple bucks and you really want these guys to see that you appreciate for them truly, then I think it's a great thing to do. Quite a few of the performers I go and see at the GCW show, I try to go out of my way to let them know, hey, the money I spent here, I want you to know a chunk of that really was to see you. Like part of the reason why I put my butt into the seat was because of you. So I really do think it's cool when you do that. Also, it's tradition. I'm not getting money. I'm not I'm not one of those people. It's just I have seen this tradition go on. I understand why it's a tradition. I appreciate it. And I think it's a show of respect. You know, a dollar isn't much these days, but for some people it is. That's why I said, my goodness, if you don't have it, man, please don't. You can show respect by thanking the individual after the show. If you see them somewhere, just come up and say thank you. I think that really does mean a lot. And all of them do really appreciate it. Yeah. Some of the overall, things- though. Oh, sorry. Yeah. No, go ahead, man. I just was going to say overall, I was just overall, it was a good match. That really was what. That, there was not much left, man. What were you going to say, my friend? So going back to how you say they throw the money in, and maybe you know the answer to this, maybe you don't, but it's always something I've kind of wondered. But here's my thought process on it whenever I do see it. is mm-hmm. At the end, like, yeah, you see the Lucha, Lucha matches mostly is when they throw the money into the ring. Um, but what I tend to notice is every time I see that happen, I've noticed like the winner of the match kind of is like, okay, I win the match, but let's leave all the money for my opponents who lost, which I think is a kind of cool, like give and take with wrestlers behind the scenes. And maybe they split it up behind the scenes. I don't know. That, that was kind of my question of like, how do you know how they, does it usually get split up or does it normally, if the winner wins, they, they usually leave the money for the loser as a show of respect of, Hey, I got the victory, but you did an awesome job. You could get the money while I enjoy the victory. Do you know, happen to know the answer to that? Or am I just going crazy? Okay, you're not going crazy because I'd be crazy with you. So my answer is no, I don't know. But I will say some things that I think make sense for that. Number one, I think that it's it's always a big deal when the person gets the win. So maybe they walk off while the other people are there. So that show of respect also goes to them and gives them a certain amount of glory. It also gives them the opportunity to say thank you and give the last bow. Uh, before that stage is shut down for the next one. I would I would think it would make sense as it is a team effort to share the money yeah. equally. I'm sure that there may be some cases where there may be uh, <laughs> some special, you know, maybe maybe uh, someone does, thinks they deserve more because they've worked their butt off. You know, I'm sure there are always special cases like there are in anything, yeah. but I'm sure in a respectful group, there's always going to be a, hey, man, we got 20 bucks. Let's split it five ways or let's go take that 20 and get ourselves some beer for the night. You know, I think something like that. I don't I, I don't have a real answer, but I have a pretty good speculation. Yeah, I mean, know? that's just something I saw like last couple of times I've seen money thrown in the ring for Lucha matches, not just GCW shows, but like other times like where yeah. I kind of noticed the winner. Well, hey, I got the win. Let me say by the crowd. But 
this let's let the my opponent get the money as well as get the last little uh appreciation from the crowd and then also i noticed on this one too the referee was like pocketing all the money so i was like i know i've seen it back in the past i know like hey maybe the wrestlers if they're cool enough these were referees and we've talked about a little bit but not as much as i've seen kind of like online like where the referees are such an integral part of the match where it actually a lot of people like it doesn't matter who you have a referee and i think that's bullshit we have seen awesome referees and they make all the difference in the world in matches where they won't block a screen they won't block a like they're in the right position at the right time doing what they needed to be doing and they are not i could guarantee not guarantee i could promise probably promise you that the referees are not getting paid nowhere near what they are close to as the their wrestling mm-hmm. counterparts, which I understand. I agree as the wrestlers are in there giving up their bodies and uh, may more may at way more risk. But in the grand scheme of things, I believe these referees need to be out there more and be appreciated more by the fans, by promotions and not just of, Oh, here you've been with this. You call this main events, like financially, like start supporting some of these referees. Cause that, I thought that was in this match, I was like, why is this referee pocketing it? And then I think I saw later on where Dragon Lee kind of like shooed him, like, hey, grab some of that money. Where I was thinking back in my head, like, okay, instead of the losers giving them money, maybe all four competitors are like, hey, this referee's cool. They deserve it. Let's give them the extra money. Or, if, hey, if they add them to the splits on how they do it afterwards. It was just a little thing that came to my mind where I kind of wanted to bring up more love for referees. And it was kind of funny though, see the referee pocket. It was like, Hey, they're going to check his pockets yeah. afterwards. I worked at a casino before. It was like, Hey, I could never go from touching money to not waving my hands up in the air and cleaning them and washing them five times to show the cameras. I'm not taking any money before my hands went back into my pocket. So it was pretty funny seeing the referee just grabbing that money into his pocket. Where I was like, Hey, do the referees or do the wrestlers notice he was doing that, but I'm pretty sure, yeah. uh, I forgot who the referee even was, but I thought that was a funny little spot. Interesting. I, I've had always, had many questions on it where i was kind of like hey i got the time now to ask somebody else let's see what they they think on it yeah i think overall that if you simplify it really these are three let's just assume it's a singles match there are three individuals out there making sure that they put on a show that entertains you so i would say that naturally of course those three people are working as a team And so I would assume being positive about it, that of course there would be a portion that they may feel should go to the referee to make sure that they look good, make those two counts look good, you know, count them out appropriately on the outside of the ring, blah, 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 so on and so forth. Ah, the other one I wanted to mention was you and I were at a show together and we sat there side by side and I watched the referee from our show sit there and check the corners kick the corners to make sure that they were tight and up against there. And these were safety things. And I thought it was really interesting that a ref before match was out there making sure that all those sides were kicked in and appropriately put in there so that nobody slides or, you know, has a misstep. And um, it just tied into your point. And it was just one example that uh, without better word, that came back to your point that These referees do need to sometimes maybe get as much respect as the performers. I do see in a couple cases where there are some refs that we know their names. We cheer them on when they come out. You know, every now and then if somebody maybe buys a drink or says, hey, I really see what you're doing. I do appreciate it. You're out there. You're one of my favorite referees. 
would even be a really cool thing to say to someone. Um, but yeah, I've went out of my way one time and you were at the show with me where I actually said, if I get a chance to see that guy, I'm going to tell him, Hey, you're doing one hell of a job. I see you out there checking for safety. I appreciate it. You know, and no one will say it that they, they won't know how valuable he is. Hopefully, you know what I mean? Hopefully he's so safe that everybody stays safe and nobody notices that he does his job. Yeah. Just like, kind of like when you watch sports, like it's best you don't know the referee's name. Because that means you don't have to like question it. I was like, who's this asshole ruining my team from yeah. winning the game or something like that? Same thing goes yes. with refs. A lot of them are no names unless they've done something, unfortunately, usually negative, which then now everybody wants to know their name. Like, who's the ref that messed this up or messed that up? Or that's yeah. ridiculous in my opinion. But the ref that you are talking about right now, and we talked about him on one of the past episodes. I couldn't remember what. I know he was... Uh, Recently brought up by myself, I believe, as well as you, as I think we were talking about how we like this referee a lot. It is one Mr. Nuck Nuck Johnson, and he is yes. on uh, Twitter at The Last Man Counting, uh, at nookanite.com, and he is the referee that we were talking about where I think I described him as he usually has the red suspenders. He always had different color yeah. suspenders based on the promotion as yet, which is another little thing as a referee. is like, hey, if I'm going to GCW, I shouldn't be wearing like a hot pink pink suspenders as the colors for gcw user black and white or like yeah. for the shows yeah. us at us here in vegas he was at the fsw show where black and orange where he had orange suspenders and i've seen him yeah. do gcw shows where he's also done red suspenders too for like the blood so that's the referee that we were talking about last time i couldn't think of his name for the life of me you brought him up right now so while you're quickly talking i had to quickly remind myself to look up his name because i do want to give him a shout out as you said we thought he was an awesome referee so uh Nuck Nuck Johnson out there. Appreciate you. Keep up the awesome work as referee. And yes, thank uh, hopefully you. see you back here again soon in uh, the West Coast. But going back to the match, um, it was a fun match. Uh, the the once cool move, of course, every time I see Gringo Loco does it, do it, I always kind of want to turn my head just in case because it's always a crazy move, is that uh, Gringo bomb that he did. And he hit a very nice one on Drew Listico yeah. from the top rope. But this was a fun match as we were talking about. Um, the Hermanos Lee, Dragon Lee, and Drillistico end up with the win as they hit a Dragon Bomb on ASF. So that was a fun match to end, uh, lead up into our main event of the evening. And in the main event of JCW's Great American Bash, we have Konosuke Takeshita going one on one with Cole Radrick. And just like a few of the other matches this, uh, on this card, this was one where I was really looking forward to seeing what Takeshita could bring out of Cole Radrick. And this match definitely did not disappoint. It was very deserving of the main events, even though I would have gone with Speedball versus Axon Ray. That's just based on personal preference. This match definitely made my opinion uh, wrong, and it was a good uh, main event to pick between Takeshita and Cole Radrick. Uh, John, what are your thoughts on the main event? I thought it was a real treat having Takeshita in JCW. I mean, just just to have him go, you know what? I'm coming over there. I'm going to have a match. And then to have it up against Cole. I think that was really stretching Cole uh, to his limits, but also really stretching his horizons. I'm really hoping he's taken away a couple things from that match. There was dueling Ratty Daddy to catch the chance that was happening back and forth. So it was really nice to see that there was no real bad guy there, at least for the beginning of the match. 
I don't have anywhere here. Did anybody really go heal in this one? Not that I... Do you remember? Not that I saw. It was just a constant of like, they constantly showed each other respect and then the fans were, of course, cheering both sides the entire night. They were they were really uh, they were really appreciative that Takeshita was there. I did notice that it was really really hard hitting. I mean, like there was a spot where Takeshita hit Cole with a DDT on the floor, and you could hear the thump. I mean, that that was pretty hard. I loved uh, most of their stuff that they did outside because I thought they did kind of like I believe it was Cole that kept on trying to do the splash on Takeshita, and then Takeshita kept on moving out of the way. I could be reversing it. I it's been two mm-hmm. weeks, but I could be wrong. Like one of the two were going for a splash to the outside and the other one always kept on moving out of the way. So that whenever it did finally hit, like this why I think it was cold when it finally hit Takeshita with the running body cross while he was sitting on a chair. I thought that was mm-hmm. like a cool moment of like, Hey, we're going to get here. Just bear with this. And it kind of showed like how equal they really both were, were while Takeshita is more the stronger guy. I thought Cole Radrick with his toughness and technical ability would have the advantage there. And Takeshita would use his strength and um, quickness. And I believe he's more uh, experienced as well. I thought he would use the experience to beat Cole. And I like this match was just awesome to see Cole Radrick, as you said, elevate himself to new horizons and Takeshita mm-hmm. to still show He's still got a lot more to show these U.S. fans because he's been all over the country since his on his little excursion out here, and he's been doing AEW, uh, GCW, JCW. Now we've seen him on a lot of different promotions, and yeah. we've each time we've seen a new piece of Takeshita come out. Where I thought this was awesome seeing Takeshita pull out new stuff as well as Cole Radrick um, exploring his uh, arsenal as well. Yeah, you know, I have seen so many Takeshita matches since he's been over here, and I'm not disappointed in any of them. I was really happy that this was my introduction. I get to see at least some American style of him. I I know most people go, well, you might want to see his style overseas. I get that. I just wanted to see what he can do here with the people we have here. I haven't sat down yet, but I am looking forward to sitting down and seeing what else he has. He, you watch one match, he has 30-some moves. You watch the next match, he'll pull off 20 of those moves, and then he'll add a new set of 20. And then, and then, and then. And what that means overall is that every match that I've seen has had something different. There's, It's harder to find his formula that he uses for the match. And then on the Cole side, it was another really just real strong showing. Kids getting his ass beat. I mean, he's a kid to me. Uh, you know, he's getting his ass beat. Uh, Cole's one there that I was thinking, has there ever been a time where Cole has come up against Alley Catch? I'm just wondering. And see, here's the surprising thing, just because he's on such a roll right now. Like, Cole's been with GCW for a couple of years. Like, he's just now starting to do a lot more, and he's becoming more of a GCW regular now. Yeah. But... Uh, Man, I've seen so many GCW matches and Cole. I cannot put those two in the ring at the same time together in a singles match, at least. I think yeah. I've seen them in a scramble match go against each other, if I'm not mistaken. Like, I've seen them go against, like I said, in scramble settings, but I don't think I've ever seen a one-on-one of Cole and Ali. That'd be uh, interesting to see, like another version and style of Cole. Because as you were saying with Takeshita, Takeshita's 
always evolving and we've seen every single match like none of his matches has been the same throughout his whole excursion here they've all been different and now thinking back at it with cole like he has a lot of different matches lately as well so i don't know i'll have to go back and check on the alley catch that for you yeah i just i really think it would be interesting to see what dynamic they use with those two because to a degree, they're, I wouldn't say they're equal in size, but they're closer in size than you would see John Moxley and Allie. And I think what would be interesting would be the dynamic of how Cole may be able to play heel and maybe play a little stiff on Allie uh, and get a little heat there. I, I mean, with all the punishment, after he gets his heat, I'd love to see her just take weapons to him and just whoop the <laughs> shit out of him until the fans are just going nuts and close it out. I just... I don't know why, but for some reason, I just I see that happening if it hasn't already. Maybe it's up there in my memory when I was watching late night. But I I just uh, I'm actually looking forward to seeing Cole back uh, back out here in Las Vegas in a couple weeks. And um, what a what a great guy. What a very, very, very nice down to earth guy. Yeah, I think Cole and all these matches, as especially as he's becoming more lovable by the fans and getting the crowd behind him, I you definitely it comes he comes off better as taking the majority of the punishment and then yeah. getting the crowd behind him to get that burst of energy to get the win or get close to the win. And I agree with you. I think he and when he's in that kind of role, he plays it very well. I don't really see him being like the in charge of the ring, having control of most of the match and being the um, the heel per se, but yeah. him as the lovable underdog, like it's a perfect fit, perfect look for him. He's got the perfect move style, his style, his charisma. He's got everything that says lovable underdog, and yep. um, yeah, and we've been seeing it kind of him using that and growing and growing his fan base in GCW and another across other promotions as well. As you said, where he's going to be out here in Vegas uh, in a couple of weeks without GCW doing a show. And this would be the second time or third time I've seen him with this promotion. And it's just like, it's, it's always fun seeing Cole, no matter where he's at and what kind of match, anything he's doing, I will go out of my way to see it. Yeah. I, uh, I'm going to eventually, once we get a little more caught up, I'm just trying to tell everybody who does listen that I'll start announcing upcoming shows eventually. So when it comes within two, three, maybe even four weeks of some GCW shows, I'm going to make sure I mention those. And I'm also going to make sure that I mention a couple shows that may be GCW performer heavy. What I'm saying is, is that we are big fans of GCW, but part of what makes GCW great would be the performers that go out there and uh, get their ass kicked for us. And so I like to also announce shows where there may be, hey, do you want to see Effie? He's over here on Thursday. Would you like to see Allie? She's over there on Wednesday. So I think I'll eventually be adding uh, Cole's show here out in Vegas eventually when it comes closer to time for sure. Um, I, I don't have much more to say about this, man. I really did tell you. I think everything I could tell you on this one. I did see that there was a uh, I just see the fact that he Takeshita got everything he could out of Cole. Yeah. And like I said, they got I think they both brought out another side of not another side, but another style or at least moveset that we're not used to from either of them. And them kind of chasing after those moves. They didn't get it always right. The first one, they always had to like not uh, 
like as in performer, right? But it always got countered where when they finally did hit the move that they were looking for earlier in the match, it got a bigger pop and a bigger reaction for yeah. myself yeah. at least watching it. Cause it was like, Oh, Cole almost got it. Oh, he's going for it again. Oh man, he can't get it. Oh, he's never going to, Oh, he got it. Like I love having that kind of feeling and watching these matches where I don't know what to expect. And it's not like, okay, he's going to do his uh, lion salt that he normally does. And of course we know what's going to happen there. Like, it's not like that with Cole. Like you never know if it's going to hit or when it's not. And with Takeshita, you just never know what he's going to use as a counter. Cause with the Japanese style that he's been using, he's, they got a lot of different counters or different counters to the same moves out here that we always see all the time where they, have a more creative counter to it and i thought Takeshita, as he's has this whole excursion out here has been awesome to see as you said it was a real treat having him a jcw slash gcw i know he's about to go back to his home promotion in ddt in japan for a while but mm -hmm. i know mm -hmm. he said hey hopefully i will be back and hopefully you guys remember me and i could get the same love as uh i have now when i come back and i think oh, once he, he polishes his more his style away from the united states and we realize hey we haven't seen Takeshita in a while I think the next GCW card, they you'll see him on that poster of Takeshita returns to GCW. I think you're going to see a lot of fans remember how much yep. we loved him before he left, how much he's gotten better back home, and what the new version we're going to see of him back here in the states. I cannot wait for that moment. Yeah. So I wanted to note. Uh, I wanted to kind of note real quick that there was the spot where, or well, not the spot, but series of moments where a spot would be missed and a spot would be missed, and then finally it hits. I don't know if I've really seen that out of Radrick before in any of his matches. I really do feel like that was Takeshita's doing. And I really do hope for the sake of the emotion of it, that Cole starts to incorporate that into his own matches. I like that. I like the Papa. Oh, is he finally going to hit it? Oh, is he fine? Okay. That used to be done in the eighties all the time. You would see that all the time. Oh, is he going to get his finisher in? Oh, back when a finisher was the end. Yeah. You know, is he going to, is he going to get that DDT? Is he going to, you know? So uh, I really do hope that he incorporates that because I think it just adds a dimension of that emotional, that and, emotional aspect. And that's, that's the in-ring psychology that a lot of these old time wrestlers, wrestling yeah. personalities that we were talking about were saying, like they wish they want to see more of where I think Takeshita, because of his experience, he had a little bit more of a handle on that psychology which is mm -hmm. good for cole as he's been getting these bigger names these bigger matches and learning these psycho little things in wrestling psychology that you won't get if you're going always against somebody younger than you or with like less experience where he's now stepped up his game he's getting the bigger names the more experienced wrestlers and he's going to start learning that psychology and bringing that psychology with them to future matches and that's why i kind of love seeing these two up and comers as a I want to call him because like Takeshi uh -huh. I'd never heard of until this excursion he's blown up and Paul Radrick's been on his little tear that he's been doing with GCW where you will see those little improvements each and every time where if you don't put these wrestlers up against other people that are more experienced with them you're never going to those younger wrestlers or less experienced wrestlers are never going to learn that psychology so I love awesome like I'm going to kind of not switch topics here but like a Brett once again bring in foreign talent into the United States not just to work with the big names as they usually do, but also incorporating, hey, here's our younger star that we think is going to be up and coming. We kind of want to test him and see what he has with you. And like one of these matches yes. coming up in yeah. my in my eyes is uh, Jordan going against Bandito coming up here soon at the People versus JCW. Like that's a step up for Jordan 
especially with the ring psychology and the lucha style and stuff like that. Like we've been seeing that all over GCW with uh, Suzuki going up against, well, Joey Janela is kind of a bad example because those two <laughs> are experienced, but you kind of get what I'm saying with bringing foreign talent and their styles yeah. and their ring psychology in with the younger talent to help the younger talent grow as a performer and as a wrestler. Well, holy shit. I'll say this much. If, if Brett was able to have AEW money, Brett's vision with AEW's money could really put together a very interesting roster. And not only that, would have the vision to bring in talent from the outside to polish and make those talents they do have on the roster better. Yes. He has a hell of a good, I mean, finding Nick Wayne. Holy shit. You know, the Billy Starks brand. It was was a pretty interesting situation there, and then bringing in Billy Starks and whatnot. But in the Commander, most recently, Commander, what an amazing find! Yeah. And I'm sure he's been around for quite a while. But what an amazing find that brought him to us. I'm so thankful we. I've never seen a man run ropes like that. I know we've talked about that, and I never knew it, Commander had a technical side to him until I saw him. Uh, Probably the next show I think we're talking about is coming up the No Signal on the Hills where Commander goes against Tony Deppin and like they yes. had a crazy like minute sequence of just rolling around technical reversals and advantage holds and pins and near falls and escapes or like I've that would have been the last thing I would have thought of Commander being because all we've really seen him before GCW was him running the ropes, him being the high flyer. And that's kind of what he started off doing in GCW is the stuff that got him famous. But now since he's the more he's with GCW, they're letting him, Hey, you got a one-on-one now against Tony Deppin. Let's see what you got. And boom, Commander answers that call and has a great technical match with Tony Deppin. Like I said, we'll get, I'm getting ahead of myself and ahead of the podcast here. No, no, no. Like we're that, that's the kind of stuff I love seeing is where, you never would have thought of a commander or um, wrestlers of that ilk in foreign countries yeah. that we don't get exposed to enough where Brett sees one thing. Hey, I could do something with that. He probably does his yeah. little research and does his homework and, oh, he could do this too. We'll eventually introduce that to our crowd base. But for right now, let's show him off in these scramble matches, give him his high flying spots. And then, all right, now's your time to shine one-on-one -on -one, three matches in your GCW career against Tony Deppin. And he's Wait, fine there no, too. <laughs> no shit. I, yeah, I was going to say, guess what? Match two or three ever in GCW, you're up against Deppin already. That says something for sure. There are some people that come through, they don't get Deppin for a while. And I mean, they're already going, hey, Tony, is this guy, this guy really, can he cut it? And I will say with Commander, he's young. And it shows sometimes with his moves that he has a good vision for what he wants to do. And every now and then he... He will kind of miss very rarely. Um, so that, like I said, that kind of shows the youth. He has that ambition. He's trying to get everything together. Plus, he's trying to get uh, he's trying to get his move set in on Tony Deppin, who may be just learning the eight or ten unique moves that Commander may bring to the, you know, to the fight. Um, I just wanted to mention that only because he's just one hell of a talent that he's really getting recognition quick. Yeah. And like I said, my takeaway from this match was just the how those two styles would mesh, especially as kind of up and coming stars. And yeah, they were given the main event spot, which like I said, I it could have been questionable 
with Speedball and Axton Ray, as Axton Ray is kind of new too to the whole GCW scene and JCW mm-hmm. scene. But I thought maybe that would have been the main event just because of Speedball's name and the role he's been on lately. But as I said before, that was a great way to start the match. And Takeshita and Cole Radrick ended it off really good. Um, Takeshita ends up hitting Cole with the knee for the victory. And I just want to see more Takeshita. Hopefully sometime he'll come back for another excursion here or we could work something out. I believe GCW is heading to Japan here in a couple months and maybe we could see some good Takeshita out in Japan. We'll see. But the foreign talent that Brett has brought in lately, it's been incredible. And like you said, his ability to find names that we've never really heard of and yeah. trust himself and his decision making to put that wrestler onto his product and take a shot on that wrestler it's hit way more than i believe it's missed and it just brett like you said if he had more money i know he kind of loves the indie style the indie feels he doesn't want the big productions he doesn't want the big arenas and stuff like that he doesn't want the tv deals and be restricted he wants to keep his authenticity of gcw but i would just like to see oh if he had the money to go and get any wrestler he wants and the matches he would put together with that would be phenomenal. I mean, we're seeing it now. And as they're, every night, we're not seeing the same two people fighting against each other. Every night, we're seeing first-time ever matches. The first time mm-hmm. ever seeing this person in a GCW ring. This person's making their debut. That person's making their debut. It's like dream matches, as we said. Like, independent wrestlers, every night you see a dream match. And GCW, they hit it every single night. And this one, we got, in my opinion, I got two of them for Speedball and Axton and then Takeshita and Cole And this one. Like, I just love seeing different stuff, not not seeing the same matches over and over and over again. Oh, that, that makes sense. So you were going to go ahead and you were looking at putting uh, Bailey and Ray as the last match of the night. So then my question is, if you have Takeshita and Radrick, there's eight matches on the card. Okay. Number eight's already taken. Where would you put Takeshita and Cole on this card? Because here's what I would have done. I probably would have had the seventh match as my opener. That would have been uh, the Space Gods up against Hermanos Lee. Yeah. I would have probably opened the night scramble style, ta- you know, in this state, but it's a tag team, but it's scramble style. I probably would have opened the uh, the night with that, and then, well, I, I want to go back to you. What uh, what would you have? Yeah, talk to me about where you might because because I'm a hundred percent with you. This show had a couple really high spots where you could have probably moved one or two matches here or there, and it would have made sense too. Uh personally, like it's easy beforehand to say what I wanted to say and then have it play out and. I'll kind of talk about match placement a lot more uh, our next episode when we watch the No Signal on the Hills as I kind of okay. I have a opinion on the match uh, format that for that card specifically. I didn't hate this one. I, I kind of liked it. I'm just saying that when I first saw it, I was like, oh, my main event is make Mike Bailey and Axon Ray. And then, oh, crap, we got it at the beginning. But as we were saying before, you kind of always want to start the night off hot. And ended hot. Yes. And we've been seeing that in other promotions and doing some crazies booking with that stuff too. And then um I I think yeah, I think that would have been a hot start, would have been would have been Gringo Loco and his squad, and then end the night then oh yeah with speedball. 
But then you That'd also, been some yeah. And then we also got to worry about like if there's going to be an intermission. We don't know if there's going to be an intermission. If there is, that kind of changes the match format that way as well. So, like I said, it's easy to do it beforehand and stuff. I think mm-hmm. I would have had probably the Axon Ray, Mike Bailey at the end to finish it off. Uh, and then um, either Cole and Takesha, probably somewhere if there was an intermission, probably right after intermission to get the attention mm-hmm. back to the show instead of before mm-hmm. the intermission as that would have been a good spot too before the intermission if it was like followed up by the bunkhouse uh, stampede after the intermission. Like I said, we're I'm going into the weeds here. Like I'm playing Booker. I love playing Booker. But right, I don't right. really, I didn't hate it, but like I just originally thought like that was uh, my main event was that way. Um, but I don't have, I'm not, bashing on the booking because like i said either yeah. way i loved it it was good i will have a little bit to say about match placement on the like i said the next episode on the next card because i and like it's easy beforehand to say you never know how the crowd's going to react or like yeah. yeah uh you never know like hey they've been they call sometimes these intermissions on the go they don't like sometimes they have it planned out. It's like, hey, we're gonna have like three death matches here. We want to have this one, and then we want an intermission, and then that way. Or sometimes like they'll come up and like, hey, do you want to do an intermission here? You want to keep on going, and then they have to quickly decide. So it's kind of hard, easier to pre-book a show than it is to on the fly book a show. So I'm not like bashing yeah. bread or bashing booking. I'm just, I was just saying like I, my main event would have been that night. Hey, people, all these ratty daddy fans out there. They want their main event. They want Ratty Daddy in the main event. And I'm not hating on it. I, I thought this in the match played out as a main event match. And I'm happy for it. I'm fine with it. I loved having it go on at the end. No qualms about it. It's just what I originally thought was going to be the main event was just different. But like I said, no qualms here. Other awesome show. Another great main event. Another showcase for Cole Radrick to showcase his talents. And Takeshita, I believe that's probably going to be the last time we see him in America for... uh the foreseeable future until he comes back. But Takeshita, thank you for showing up at JCW slash GCW. Thank you. And hopefully we'll see you back here soon coming home from DDT. And that will lead us into the memorable moments of the night. Uh, I got a couple, like I've kind of just already said real fast. I just speedball action Ray. I was looking forward to it. It delivered Takeshita versus Radrick. I was looking forward to it. It delivered and seeing um, Dragon Lee kind of perform in a match with Gringo and ASF with Jalistico. Uh, I was kind of uh, interested to see how that match would turn out, and it did disappoint. And Homicide, Alec Price, that was a good, good showcase. Yeah. Very good showcase matches where it was. I thought it was very well booked, solid winners, lo- losers, and stuff like that. But I thought mm-hmm. each match there was no winners or losers. I thought every single match came out. Every single wrestler came out with a positive instead of a negative other than what happens in the win-loss column. But that's not necessarily always the end-all be-all in wrestling as we have seen and continue to see. Yeah, so I don't I don't know if that's a, a booking thing or I don't know if it's just a company thing. And I know I mentioned this about Nick Wayne where it doesn't matter if he wins or loses, but there are quite a few people here that I'm just so thankful to see I could give a damn less if they win or lose. And I know everybody has their personal favorites. I see Deppin out. I'm so happy. I love singing the song. I love watching him be a dick. <laughs> you know, it's so much fun. Um, I remember that during the beginning of the match, everybody had their hats on. They had their little party hats on. And the fans were asking uh, Speedball. And who was who was Speedball Vince? Gosh, my mind already. Axon Ray. Axon Ray. Yeah, they were asking for him to keep their hats on while they fight. 
And you, so I thought that was pretty cool. And going back to that, you could see the the fun that these two were about to have. Like they were excited to yes. face each other, excited to do it in the GCW, JCW platform in front of those fans. And you could tell like, hey, they were the start off the night. Like they came out serious, but then like put the hat on. You see them both smile, look at each other. And boom, <laughs> All right, let's do this. Let's have fun with it. And that was awesome to see it, have it being a serious match and a great showcase, but also them showing their love for professional wrestling and for putting on a show for us fans. Yeah, I also wanted to note, because we didn't have a chance to really say too much here, or maybe I touched on it just a touch, but um, I'm going to say this about a lot of people, but I want to say, especially with Speedball, I had a chance to meet him and Veda right after they got married. And you want to talk about two very kind people. They're very nice. They're very polite. And honestly, Speedball was just very humble very kind person specifically right off of that alone on top of what he brings to every match i'm a huge fan it was really nice uh seeing delirious after such a long time i know i say that as such a long time but it really was nice seeing him it was funny seeing veda get mad because <laughs> ali was wearing the <laughs> wearing him as cones yeah she was she was enjoying herself the 16 shops plus one to Nick Wayne for his happy birthday. I do remember that. Uh, all the young talent on the show. Holy shit. All the young talent on the show, including Alec Price, having a great showing with a lot of help from the veterans coming out there. And the last I'll mention, I'll kind of throw. Oh, no, there's a couple. But the last one I'll throw, I'll say before I throw it back to you was I'm a big fan of Haas's that Haas fight between Josh Bishop and Big Vin. It was short, but it was impactful. Yes, and kind of going off of that Josh Bishop, I know how you're saying you're becoming a fan of Charles Mason. Yeah. And like the dastardly, sadistic heel that he's doing and kind of ruining it. And now seeing yeah. Josh Bishop back, would that would be a kind of nice little bodyguard there as a, for, oh, for a young wow. Charles Mason having Josh Bishop as kind of his enforcer to kind I of protect think about himself. That. I think that would be a nice little twist there. Well, who did Mason have before this? Slade, right? Yes, he had Slade. So it's a, yeah. Oof. It was imagine it would slide right in. To to go against Mason, you have to beat Slade and Bishop. That is two people I do not want to mess with. Well, even just Bishop, like he's taking Slade's place even would be a nice, you know, switch from one to the other. Yes. Uh Killer Cross, we won't go that far, but boy would he be a fun one to uh to bring in as an enforcer anywhere. Yes. But, and 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 Scarlet, yes, Scarlet, quote unquote. <laughs> um, but I I loved the show. It was a good. It was a fun day of wrestling because it was the same day as the uh, GCW Settlement Series earlier in the day. Um, mm -hmm. I thought those back to back shows of hey, let's start have a little comedy match while also exposing, getting our young talent some exposure. And then at the end of the night, let's finish strong with a normal GCW slash JCW style show where nonstop action, the pace was awesome, the crowd was hot, and it was a more serious uh, wrestling show. But like I, I always say, uh, it's the versatility of GCW. They could put on comedy, they could put on deathmatch tournaments, they could put on crazy cars like how they just did here. They could bring all these wrestlers from all over the world and put them in dream matches that will always deliver every single night that gcw's on it's it just they're on a hot roll right here and then this uh leads up to their 
uh, LA or not LA, California getaway here where they do uh, yeah. one night. They did a show at the Ukrainian Culture Center for No Signal in the Hills Part Two, and then they follow that up back in San Francisco and back to the Bay. And we will be covering both of those shows here uh, later this week. I promise. I put my stamp on it that these shows will be will be all caught <laughs> up by Friday. Well, I didn't know I was Friday night. I thought I read it was Saturday night. So I, I, we got one last night, but we got this. We're going to keep on. Oh, hell yeah, we got this. Bro. We're like GCW. We're going to keep on going and going and fucking going. So um, any last thoughts on this match before we kick it off, uh, before we head out and give a quick preview of the next shows, which I kind of just did already? Oh, that's okay. Oh, what I did want to say, which was kind of another thought to think about, GCW lately has been doing an excellent job on blurring the lines between, or blurring the fine line between GCW and JCW and LA Fights. They've really been incorporating LA Fights and JCW talent a lot more into their shows. And I really do like that because I think if you can bring them in, give them a little love, send them back, I'm more apt now to watch a JCW show than I was even six months ago because some of the people that were on that GCW show are over there. And I really do have to say that they've done a hell of a job incorporating uh, all three of those companies and and making them mesh together to where um, I'm now interested in all three instead of just one. Yes. And I like how I don't, I might call it, a minor league team, even though I hate saying that, I might accidentally slip, but I call it like their sister team, but it's not like saying it's, oh, one's better than the other. You guys can make your own assumptions on that. But I love how LA Fights could run a card without any GCW sitting there promotion. Like you don't have to have GCW there that week to have a LA Fight show. They've been, their first couple shows, they had their own car, cards with no GCW involvement whatsoever yep. other than yep. maybe production and stuff like that. And I loved those LA Fight shows because being out here in Vegas as we are, we see, I've seen a lot of those talents locally in person. Um, a lot more than I have the JCW crew, but I know where, hey, if there's an LA Fight event going on, I might want to go check it out because I know some of these localized independent wrestlers on the West Coast. And same thing, JCW fans are like, hey, we've had JCW shows without any GCW sh- too, and we we know our, our wrestlers are wrestling at um, H2O and other stuff. So uh-huh. I just I like seeing how they could... LA fights and JCW could stand alone on their own without the help of GCW. But when GCW is in town, we're going to find a way to, and as we saw this coming up weekend that we're going to cover, we saw a lot of LA fight roster members representing LA fights in a GCW ring. And same thing. We had GCW kind of throw in some of their uh, wrestlers and stars in the LA fight setting. So I like how you said like the fluidity of all three companies, they don't need each yeah. other. They could be well on their own. But when all three get together, as we saw at the collective, like LA fights versus JCW is one entertaining show. And those all three companies are working together, obviously, since they're all part of each other in some way or another. I also just like how you said, agree with you and love seeing how all three can make everything better. Yeah. I'd love to see maybe a brother sister fight at sometimes. I don't have another way to put maybe parrot company and brother and sister company. You know what yeah, I mean? Like, yeah. Because because if you're whooping ass in one of those two companies, you're going to see more time over at the parent company. I think that's fair. And I think that might um, be a we- um, not a weekly thing, a yearly thing that might they might start doing at the collective since we kind of seen it all uh, last. Well, this last collective, we saw it 
the collector was in Dallas, I believe, somewhere in Texas. Yeah, Dallas, Texas, I think, or Houston. So it was kind of like right in the middle for LA fights and Jersey uh, championship wrestling to meet in the middle on uh, more unified, not unified, but uh, neutral turf. Whereas next year, I believe the collective will be in LA at the Ukrainian Cultural Center. So it'd be kind of interesting to see if JCW and some of their rosters and normals come out here and try to yeah. pause some stuff. But I think I could see it being a cool yearly. That's kind of like if you call, call back to old Survivor Series where we got one brand or one team going against the other. Like it'd be kind of cool seeing the brands go against each other. Um, we, oh yeah at the collective as well as we're going to, we've been seeing it more just in gcw settings as well as like another way to another platform for them to show off their talents and all the young talent as we continue to say every single show that they have on their rosters i would love to see brother and sister fight with each other to a point to where the roster on one side hates the roster on the other. And I mean, let's keep it going for six months or a year. And it gets to a point where maybe GCW will put on a show and there'll be a couple JCW people there and maybe they run their mouth to LA fights people. And maybe there's a little scrum, you know, off, off to the sides. I think there could be there. I, I'm, I'm sorry. I think there could be something there that may even stir more interest and in having each company is possibly a large faction just just for storyline purposes, it would be so interesting to see a storyline. It would be so nice like to it, see a storyline. Like invasion, kind of like in a little invasion angle. That, hey, we're on your territory, but we're declaring it ours. Or, hey, you're on our territory. we got to defend it. Or, hey, we're in GCW. They're giving us a platform to, I'm representing my company. You're representing yours. Let's see which company is the best. Like, I love seeing just all three like i said work together and that's what we're seeing in independent wrestling now anyways everyone's working together and as my in my opinion uh wrestling's in a great place right now with everyone working yeah. together and everyone looking to improve not only themselves and their standing but other companies as well and i'm not mr uh mr historian i've watched wrestling for a long time I can't say it's the best ever, but I can say right now, independent wrestling is the place to be. They have the strongest performers that you can ask for. They have the most variety. Deathmatch, you go here. If you like Lucha, you go here. If you don't like that much Deathmatch, watch here. If you want more, go here. If you like more drama, go here. I mean, you really can pick and choose what you like, and it's out there. And not only that, but it's not out there for real expensive either. Yeah, I, I mean, just just I don't plug things like, oh, but as a fan, I've gotten IWTV because I can watch a wrestling match almost any night and quite a few GCW performers show up over there. So I try to be supportive. Uh, also, I'll have fight TV because that's obviously the way to get GCW, but also that's the way I'll get VXS. That's the way I'll get. Uh, wow. It's just late. Otherwise, I'd give you three or and four other companies. A bazillion companies out there. Like I said, there's about 10 right now where if I know they got a card, I'm making put it on my list and I'm watching it as close to live as possible. Yeah, I'm trying to do everything I can to just make sure that everybody is supportive of possible as these guys, because overall, they're still artists and performers. And there's without going deep into it, but but just touching upon the subject, I've noticed still there is a lot of self-doubt sometimes and you see a lot of depression amongst these performers. 
And I think the most important thing we can do is at least tell them that we appreciate what they pour themselves into. Yeah. And showing appreciation doesn't cost you anything. Anybody could show appreciation. Yes. It's up to you if you choose to or not. Um, yeah, it was a, it was a fun show. Great, uh, great GCW JCW weekend. Uh, like I said before, next, uh, our next episode, we will be covering, uh, no signal in the Hills. And then the following episode after that, we will be covering back to the Bay. And then we will be right up to schedule with the GCW versus the people in Nashville. Uh, we might get a little crazy here. I, I know I'm popping this up on you, but we might get a little crazy here and quickly cover the LA fights, uh, show that happened at that weekend since we were just discussing it. Could be a quick one. Oh my God. Maybe for those <laughs> listeners out here, here, here's another little plug. Maybe for those listeners to listen, uh, hit us up on Twitter at mystical Jericho, or like for myself, it's the GCW plant podcast might be a little easier for you to type. My name should pop up there. Mystical Jericho. Uh, we have John J Wolf. You could catch him on his Twitter at John J Wolf. And maybe while well, one of these nights we could maybe quickly cover with the fans and talk about the LA fights and do a little Twitter space, just a little something Heck that yeah. might be, not, might not necessarily have to be a podcast in form, but as a little Easter egg and a thank you to those fans that have listened to us, have downloaded us and have a, uh, keep on coming back to us as a way to say, thank you. Maybe, like I said, that would be our night to do. Maybe just do a quick little Twitter space and talk about LA fights before the, oh, GCW versus the people or something like that. We'll see. We'll, we'll try to get LA fights in there. We show J JCW some love tonight. We'll have to give LA fights, uh, their love, uh, maybe on a little different platform. Well, you know, the other thing I was going to mention, cause you were talking about the, you know, maybe talking about other things here. I think at some point we do want to tell everybody that it would be cool if we can get into Twitter space and kind of do some things there. Because number one, we are fans. And let's be honest, there are nights, what the hell else are we doing? Are either watching wrestling, looking up wrestling on the internet, or talking about wrestling. So I do want everybody to know that is paying attention that if they have time at some point here, we are going to open that up so that people can jump in, say hi. A lot of us have uh, wrestlers and performers all over our Twitter pages. You can see that on both of our profiles. There's a good chance we're going to try to get some of them to jump in when they're available. But I just wanted everyone to know that, again, I mean, first and foremost, we're fans. We're doing this because we love it. That's what we're here for. We don't want everyone else to discover it and love it, too. So I just wanted to let you guys know that this was just something to kind of look forward to. We're talking about it. Once we're good enough to not take small breaks between matches, we'll be able to kind of make it a lot more smoother. And so I just wanted to kind of pass that on, really. Just, I mean, kind of saying unannounced, but just kind of a nice thing to say for someone to look forward to is that we're just beginning. We're doing our best, but honestly, we're going to be doing a lot more really soon. So whoever wants to be involved and say something, please do. We'd love to include anyone who just want to talk just like we do. Yeah, and the reason I brought up the Twitter space possibly for LA Fights, because then it'll be kind of like, hey, if you listen, you're going to be the only ones, or you follow us on Twitter, you'll be the only ones in there, so it won't be like you're a bunch in a room full of bunch of people you don't know, or you're with other GCW fans. So, And I, whenever I see GCW Twitter space, or 
one of the GCW personalities that I follow all the time. If I see them in a Twitter space, I usually stop what I'm doing, hop in because I love hearing yeah. not just the wrestling knowledge that they drop and the behind the scenes stuff, which is a lot, but I love hearing them talk about, hey, what's their favorite meal at Taco Bell? Or, hey, what's Hawaii like? Because I bring up that because GCW started a Twitter space within this last week. And, oh, I was so excited. I got no notification on it. I was so excited. I hopped in. I was there for two minutes and it ended. And I guess they did a whole Aww. thing on Hawaii or everything. So I just bring that up as, a, like I said, another outlet, another forum for us to discuss wrestling, uh, GCW wrestling, especially with you guys. And I believe that is another way until we get more video, more YouTube, a live chat going as we record live and for you to Give us your opinions and thought live. This will be another way to hit us up on Twitter. Uh, talk about, we'll talk about the show. If fans hop in, we'll give the fans a little voice and they can express their, uh, what they saw from the LA fights or whatever GCW stuff. So we're going to be doing a lot more stuff out there to get the fans more involved. Because as I said, since episode one, I am a fan and I started this podcast to talk with other, to talk with other GCW wrestling fans as in yourself, John Jay. And luckily, mm-hmm. like, luckily we uh, found out we had a lot of similarities and uh, likes on the wrestling stuff. So I just like talking GCW wrestling. And as you said, we want to help spread the word out because I believe, and I'm mad, not mad, but like, I kind of wish somebody was out there years ago. I just started watching GCW within the last, uh, almost a little, little over a year. But ever since my first GCW show that nobody really told me about, I just kind of found it on myself one night on YouTube when they did the fight forever. I was like, oh, that's cool. I'm going to check them out. Oh, the pandemic's still going on, but we got a live wrestling show. Went to the GCW. First time, what's the show? Fell in love. And it's been my favorite wrestling since. And I want to give that experience to other fans that, like I said, I didn't, I wasn't able to know about GCW three years ago when they just started. And I wish I did, but I loved it so much. I've gone back and rewatched all the shows many times, did my research on it, and I'm all cut up now. And I would just want to give other people a chance to enjoy the greatness of GCW wrestling as I found it. So that's kind of why we started this podcast and uh, kind of our goals moving on here in the future is getting the YouTube live chat going, getting the live video, no pausing during the recordings, just boom, boom, get it all out there. (laughs) Do some yeah, Twitter yeah. spaces with the fans during the week when there's nothing going on or right before a show, do a little pre-analysis right after the show, post-analysis. Right after a show, yeah. So That's we what were, I'm really looking forward to. Yeah, so we got all those things in the, like I said, in the works where, as you can kind of hopefully see, we've improved and gotten better on the podcast, at least. <laughs> um, like I said, <laughs> I know our, my goal is to at least improve every show, I believe. Uh, whether it be the littlest of things we've improved or on bigger things, like I think we've improved as well. So hang out with us, follow us on social media, keep spreading the word or GCW keeps spreading the word of the GCW platinum podcast. I have seen a couple few people out there uh, on Twitter as well. That's like, they had no idea that there was a, not our GCW podcast, but there was a GCW podcast out there. So for us to be one of the few that I know of and, uh to kind of help get other fans involved i kind of i just kind of keep on getting that outreach out there and getting more people that are unaware of a gcw podcast out there let alone our own gcw podcast out there please help spread the word as there's many fans out there looking for the same content you are that's how i was i was bored one day hey i want to listen to gcw podcast there's a fun show coming up i want to go find out more about it couldn't find anything other than the gcw patreon and so i reached out KG was like, hey, 
there's not that many out there. Why don't you start your own? I'm like, let's do it. That sounds right. So that's what we're doing yep. here. And we just kind of want to keep that going. It's for the fans. It's, <laughs> we're not on Brett's payroll. We're not on GCW payroll. <laughs> we're just out oh, here doing I our wish. own thing, right? I wish. <laughs> I had to I had to save money to get a freaking camera. You know what I mean? Like, yes. yeah, it, it literally is legit just us kind of doing our thing. Since we're, okay, since we're sitting here and talking and we're damn near, I have to. Okay. So basically, this is a funny story, but primarily you were on Twitter one night and you're like, look, I'm trying to find somebody who would love to do a podcast and talk about GCW. I mean, primarily that was it. Yep. And then from there, I got a hold of you and, and it could have been anywhere. I could have been in France. I could have been in Wyoming. I could have been halfway around the world. Um, so I, I told mystical, I, I said, Hey, well, you know, we're going to go to this show here and da da da. And then we found out that we're in the same city. Then we found out we're a little over two miles living from each other, which was another one. We found out him and my wife darn near have the same background. <laughs> and um, the whole thing has been completely just surreal. And that all primarily started because of GCW. So you have two people here are your typical fans. You know, we're kind of introverted. We're not going out to clubs. We're sitting on our asses at home. <laughs> we're watching wrestling. You know, we don't really do a lot of going out and talking and all that BS. But then when wrestling comes on or when it's time to wa watch some wrestling or talk about wrestling, all of a sudden we can't get our mouths to stop running. Yep. And we could be so, talking to complete yeah. strangers that we would have never talked to at any other show. But at GCW no, show, everybody's like family there. You like, we got to protect each other because, hey, I don't want the person next to me get hit by a flying wrestler or flying uh like two better. So like we're all family there. We're all there for the same interests and love. And yeah, like you said, that's how I started off was just, Hey, let's find some other people like me and hang out and talk. And I think there's yeah. more out there. We are getting them out here and getting them, uh, well known on the GCW, uh, wrestling world. And hopefully our podcast is one that will be spreading love in a positive manner. And hopefully we are, given GCW if they ever listen or any wrestlers out there listen or any fans out there listen hopefully you see how much like we actually care about GCW we're not being paid chills and being paid by them and like having to agree with everything they said we've had little disagreements here or there but nothing major yes. it's okay to disagree you don't have to agree on everything and I know there's fans out there just like us so please let your voices be heard like how ours are right now hit us up on Twitter hit us up whenever we do these Twitter spaces or when we go live on YouTube leave comments on the YouTube videos I know I gotta play that's my fault I gotta play catch up on that we're working on that but once we get live and our graphics and everything all set up we will be good to go and we'll be putting out hopefully better content and improving it nonstop and keep on spreading that GCW love out there to all the other fans, just like us. Yeah. I don't actually mind. I don't, I don't think maybe I'll pass it through at some point, but I don't mind if someone has a question, we can mention it on the air with their name. I don't see a big deal in saying hi to that person. And, you oh, know, no. and if they don't want to mention their name, they can. But honestly, one of the things I really try to work on on my side of things, especially because we each have our own thing. But to tell kind of the people who listen is that I try to find ideas or I try to find things to talk about that may be thought provoking. And I really do enjoy when someone can come up with an idea or they can see things differently than we can. So if someone could give their opinion or maybe give, uh, you know, some type of an opinion that would be different than what others have, 
we'd love to discuss it because I'm kind of chaotic in the head where you can give me one thing and I'll find 30 ways to use it. <laughs> you can also give me one thing to worry about and I'll find 30 ways to worry about it. So if someone could please feel free to pass along something, I would love to talk about it because that's pretty much all we're doing. We love talking about this stuff. Yes. So to wrap it all up here, like I said, great show. <laughs> I know 40 minutes later, we're wrapping it up. But no, that's cool, man. That's, that's us. That's what we do. We talk wrestling and here we are. So great show. Uh, like I said, we got two LA show, or two California shows. Uh, we got to cover before Friday's GCW's uh, GCW versus people in Nashville, which I think has a, that card is nuts, and we will talk about that card yeah. and preview it here in a little bit right before, but that card is nuts. I think we have hopefully a lot of good things to talk about on the horizon, and uh, we will play catch-up. We will improve. So like John said, please reach out to us at Mystical Jericho or the GCW Plant Podcast, as well as John J. Wolf on Twitter, and we will get those answers Questions answered on podcasts, either anonymously or if you don't care with your name, you want to leave it, say, keep it anonymous, just let us know. We'll try to keep it as anonymous as possible. But for myself, it was a fun GCW, or sorry, JCW. <laughs> it was, Great though, dude. American it was a JCW, <laughs> GCW show. Dude, yeah. that was a totally GCW, JC. I mean, come on. Yeah. You, it, I almost screwed it up like a hundred times. The reason why we covered this, too, was it was pretty much the gcw show they wanted to give us earlier that day yes for sure let's not be us you know <laughs> well another one in the books episode number nine we are finishing up here for myself on behalf of john j wolf we will catch you guys next time and thank you all for all the support and we will see you next time on the gcw plant podcast long live gcw <laughs>